Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode of the Cold Popsha podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, listen to up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, or give us something to discuss in our new post-credit scenes at the end of each episode, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash Hey everybody, welcome to the Cult Popcha Podcast. I hope you're all excited for the thrilling conclusion to our James Bond series where we discuss the Daniel Craig movies. Before we get to it though, I did want to just put out a little uh, advertisement for our next episode, the episode that's coming out uh, next week. We're going to be doing the film franchise Fortnite's self-congratulatory uh, quiz where we're wanting to do Richard and I are wanting to do a quiz where me versus him and it's made up of questions from the previous 100 franchises we've watched um, and you know more than 100 100 and something uh, film franchise four nights episodes we've ever watched um, so these questions can range from like pieces of trivia that we mentioned in the episode so like if we're talking like the Hellraiser episode as an example one of the questions could be what does Cenobite mean because famously a piece of trivia that's on every IMDB thread for each of the movies in that series explains what a Cenobite is uh, it can also be referring to um you know, inside references like what did Richard think of uh, Hellraiser 3? Did he like it? Did he not like it? That's That would probably be quite a hard answer to 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 try and remember um, this far on from watching that series. And it can also be uh, quiz questions that are like information that is inferred from, from episodes we've done. So you know how how many hellraiser movies are there i don't know why i've picked hellraiser as the example but that's what we're wanting to do so if you would like to go back through and trawl through all our previous episodes of film franchise Fortnites and come up with some questions please do and you can email these questions to quizpopture at gmail.com that's quizpopture p-o-p-t-u-r-e at gmail.com um where we're getting jeremy who will be emceeing the quiz to read over them so that we don't read them ahead of time um so yeah we're wanting we're wanting questions dating as far back as fucking lethal weapon if you want if you want to go back to the dregs of when we first started you can do that they'll make for some pretty difficult questions i think so that's where we're at that's what we want to do so please send your questions and with an answer of course attached to them to quizpopture at gmail.com uh and we hope you have a good day and enjoy this episode Richard! We made it! <laughs> You've gone to bed! Get out of bed! You've got a podcast. <sighs> Richard, there is work to be done. <laughs> okay. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Cold Popture Podcast. My name is AJ. I'm joined by Richard. Hello, Richard. Hello, boy. Hello. And today is a very special day, Richard, because today is our last episode 
of the James Bond film franchise Fortnite's series that we've been doing. Film franchise Fortnite's where, of course, we usually watch a different film franchise every fortnight, but for the last five fortnights, we've been watching the same fucking franchise every fortnight. Yeah. And uh, we're not even done with it. <laughs> well, yeah. It persists. Um, and look, it persists would be very tempting pants. to say that... that <laughs> It would be very tempting to say that um, after this episode, you or I will never watch another James Bond movie ever again. But a long time ago, I learned to never say never again, Richard. Oh, Justin Bieber taught me that. What a segue. <laughs> it's not even a segue. We, we are here. We have made it. James Bond 007. Uh, this time we're covering the most recent actor to portray the characters, Daniel Craig. Uh, we are going to be covering the four out of the eventual five films that Daniel Craig will have done by the end of this year. <laughs> if, the, if the world isn't wiped out. So these include Casino Royale in 2006, Quantum of Solace in 2008, Skyfall in 2012, and Spectre in 2015, uh, with No Time to Die, his fifth entry supposedly releasing this year. It was slated for November after being pushed back from this week uh, due mm. to coronavirus. What could have been, Richard? Oh, man. We could have we could have been done with the franchise. Hmm. But we alas, we are not. But alas. So our plan at the moment, um, we obviously started foolhardy into this quest, um, expecting to be able to tie it into the release of No Time to Die. Uh, and so what we're doing instead is we, when No Time to Die comes out, we will do an episode of what is usually a Patreon-exclusive show called Film Franchise Follow-Ups. But we'll do one that will release on the main feed. So you have that to look forward to in November. Yeah. November time yeah. to die. November time to die. Very no cool. No time to Very... This is This is what happens when you're three weeks into self quarantine, isolation, what? whatever it's called. Self isolation. Two, Two weeks. We're on the third week. Although by the time this comes out it will be. Yeah. We're recording we're recording a lot earlier than we normally do. Mm. normally it's like fuck we we've got there's a two-hour window in which we can record so that we can get it out in time <laughs> but now it's like i want to be done with this franchise let's fucking record this as soon as we can and get this out as soon as we can well let's do it all right so daniel craig uh was somewhat of a controversial pick for james bond um stepping up to the role after pierce brosnan fulfilled his four film deal so not an interesting story about why pierce brosnan left he just left. Um, Craig initially rejected the role, get this, because he felt the films had become too formulaic. Uh, yeah. And then he read the script for Casino Royale, and this seems to change his mind. <laughs> I wonder what it, what it was about the script for Casino Royale that changed his mind. Uh, and he took the part, much to the chagrin of several Bond purist camps, Richard. Protests began with websites like Daniel Craig is not Bond.com, which is still a thing. Really? It still exists and is regularly updated. They recently um, put a news story up there about how Honor Blackman, who played Pussy Galore, recently passed away. Um, and it's such a cringy website 
website. Like I don't when I, I visited it and I didn't see anything specifically alt right on there, but uh, it has the kind of sense of humor, which means I wouldn't be surprised to find something alt right there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's got it's got that vibe. Um, other protesters nicknamed Daniel Craig James Bland, as if the tall, dark, handsome white men who'd been cast as the character before him were the epitome of variety. <laughs> this is the opposite of Bland. If your if your if your number zero is what he's looked like the like every other movie, this is not Bland. This is the opposite. Yeah, it's um. I remember um. I I distinctly remember when he was first cast. Um, mm. and it was on the news and it was like he's uh spouted controversy because he's the first james blonde because that was that was actually quite a big deal that he was yeah, he's yeah. blonde now no one would give a shit yeah <laughs> now people are like make him black <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly so 14 years on since daniel craig's casting it is hard to argue with his success a lot of people would now consider him one of the best if not the best bond uh bringing the character and the franchise forward into the modern era in a way that previous movies seem to resist um all his films aren't perfect uh but they undeniably mm. take on a more mature and serious tone when compared to its predecessors um as well as focusing on multi-film story arcs and taking mm. liberties with his characterization by tipping the sacred cows of the past something that we love to see it here at Cop <laughs> tipping the sacred fedoras <laughs> uh, with only four films released currently they're easily the most disruptive of the bunch since on her majesty's secret service uh though the route that no time to die ultimately takes will at least for me ultimately define whether or not these entries in the series are remembered for bucking the trend or if it's just simply hitting the reset button yeah you know if if no time to die is real crazy and experimental it'll be like it's an interesting time if it's not it's like well casino royale was pretty interesting and then the the remaining movies kind of scrambled to yeah. to find a, a a trace of normalcy of normal normalcy normal normalcy, normalcy? Yeah. yeah cool well let's talk about casino royale okay casino so, royale is about i'm just taking it i'm just taking it from give you give it back um so it's about uh, the the villainous uh, Le <laughs> Le Chief, um, who um, he he like finances these you know these naughty operations, um, and so, <laughs> actually, actually terrorism. Well, so the the film actually starts the pre credit sequence is the mission which got james his um double o status yes. which is the double o program which be, you know becoming double o seven and um but the plot of this film is that le chiffre has um he's essentially going to like lost all his money because bond foiled his plans so he has to he sets up a high stakes poker tournament to uh recoup his fortune uh, and then bond has to go and beat le chiffre um stop calling him literally <laughs> and um is he assigned to work with him is vespa mm-hmm. who is a member of like the the her majesty's treasury yeah. she works for for england mm. and uh then eventually so bond wins the poker game and then uh vespa gets kidnapped and then bond gets kidnapped as well and tortured and then they 
get to live happily ever after, uh, but not for long because mm-hmm. she uh, turns out she actually betrayed him and uh, did, did like a double cross. Yeah. She was a double agent. And then uh, she ends up dying tragically. Mm. And it's sort of a, a very tragic story of a, of a broken brute of a man um, learning not to trust anyone. Thus, mm. the the origins, the the first the first real official like origins of James Bond portrayed mm. on screen. And Richard, I've seen this movie ten times probably in my life. Nice. Um, and this was the first time I understood the whole poker story. <laughs> I nice. because I've always loved this movie, but I think I've always watched it too young to be paying attention to what it's actually about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, so yeah, yeah. And now and now watching it, I was like. Oh, it's about them trying to beat a terrorist in poker so that he loses his money and can't finance other terrorists. Yeah, what a and plot. so he would have to. Um, oh, what's the word? Um, Give himself over to the sanctuary. yeah. He would have to like sanctuary, yeah, mm. sanctuary in England. Yeah, um, and then you know he's under their control. Um, it's it's worth mentioning. So I've only ever seen the Bond. Uh, the the Craig Bond films and like before we started this this experiment, <laughs> uh, I had only ever seen the Craig films and oh, I think I'd seen two of the Connery ones. Um, but I've I saw all of these movies once in the cinema and never again. Did so, you never rewatch Casino Royale? Nah, so I'd only seen I'd seen this for the you know fourteen years ago. I'd seen Quantum of Solace twelve years ago. Um, wow, I I. I'd, I think I've rewatched part, like half of or part of Casino Royale because it was one of the first movies I got on Blu-ray and I like wanted to test out the Blu-ray player. It so was I'd everyone's like, first movie on Blu-ray. It was yeah. like the first major release on Blu-ray. Um, or you you would buy a PS3 and you, it would come with a complimentary copy of Casino Royale Casino on Royale, Blu-ray. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Casino Royale. So before we get into uh, what we thought, uh, it came out in 2006. Haven't mentioned that yeah. yet. Um, directed by Martin Campbell, returning to the series for the second, no, for the first time. So he directed Goldeneye, um, went away, came back to reboot Bond again with Casino Royale. What do you think it has on Rotten Tomatoes? Uh, it's like 90, it's in the 96 to 98 territory. 95%. So yeah. very close. So this is the first James Bond movie since Sean Connery to crack the 90s. Uh, with, wow. And it's second highest to Goldfinger, though it is equal with From Russia and Love, with to, with From Russia with Love and Dr. No. So is that still, what's the rule? Is it still second equal or is it third equal? Uh, yeah, it's no? second equal. Yeah. Okay. And then the next one would be uh, fourth. Okay. No, fifth. Yeah. Okay. Oh, right. Because there's two. I, I see. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And so this is considered pretty, pretty fucking good. Um. And yeah. So the the film t- is this is the first uh, this the this is the first time an original Ian Fleming novel title has been used since The Living Daylights Casino Royale, which was actually um the first James Bond novel. Um. And it's the first time in God since like the Connery days where it's actually based on most mm. of the story of the, the novel as well. Um, 
because most of the films just take the the, the title title and change the story completely. Uh, but this wasn't the first time Casino Royale had been adapted. There does exist a 1954 episode of a TV series called Climax with an exclamation yeah. mark, <laughs> um, which adapted Casino Royale as like an anthology series, um, and a 1964 satirical film which took the name of Casino Royale. Neither of these are official Eon produced Bond films, so they fall into the same category as Never Say Never Again. That weird sean connery return one that was yeah there was one out of a legal dispute over the rights to thunderball strange strange situation um but apparently eon productions gained the rights back to casino royale in 1999 after sony pictures entertainment exchanged them um with mgm's rights to spider-man which is crazy that the unstoppable voyage of spider-man's film rights continue to plague this podcast and (laughs) shit pop up everywhere right um so uh did you know this matthew vaughan was at one point approached to direct um it does i think i did because he's um because before this um daniel craig's biggest role was in layer cake yeah that's true it's matthew vaughan film Mm. Uh, and of course quentin tarantino quite a famous little piece of of trivia that most people probably probably know uh he was i don't know if he was approached but he said he wanted to make a black and white pierce brosnan starring casino royale set in the 1960s which sounds cool man but i (laughs) spoilers i really like this movie so i think i ultimately preferred Um, what actually went down, which was eventually, with seemingly no fanfare, Martin Campbell returned to the world of Bond to direct the film once again, and once again helm a reboot. Only this time, Richard, he wasn't going to let the next films backtrack on his changes so easily. Really? I don't know. I'm. This is a pure speculation based on oh, okay. reading into the texts. Uh, what do you think of Casino okay. Royale? So, um there's a few different ways i could phrase this Mm -hmm. so casino royale is far and away the best film it's so good (laughs) um uh, another way of putting that is not only do i think it's the best film in the franchise i would argue it's the only great movie in the franchise whoa um there's there's maybe a couple of good ones um, but this is the only great one, as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Uh, this is the only one that's a great movie and not yeah. just a good Bond film. Yeah. Um, we spoke last week where if you um, made each film's each actor's best film be a ten, mm. and then you ranked everything else compared to that, um, Casino Royale is so much better than any other film in the franchise that if you if you took the entire bond franchise made casino royale a 10 yeah um golden eye and skyfall would be tied for like seven or eight and, the, <laughs> and then the next closest thing would be like a five yeah <laughs> <laughs> look it's controversial it's, it's it might piss a few people off but fuck dude i wholeheartedly agree i wholeheartedly yeah. agree this is one of my favorite movies you know what I mean? Like outside of James Bond. And this is so my favorite film that I find the idea of anyone thinking Casino Royale isn't the best Bond film laughable. (laughs) I find it (laughs) laughable. I love that we agree on this like (laughs) very like uh, almost hyperbolic statement. Yeah, 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 exactly. I, yeah. (laughs) The haters of this film, and there are haters for it, um, as proven by 
danielcraigisnotbond.com, which is the lamest shit ever. Um, <laughs> the haters always say it's bad because it's piggybacking off the Bourne identity. They're like, oh, it's just replicating what's popular in action movies at the time, and that's the Bourne identity. Um, this is fucking better than the Bourne identity. This is a better film than the Bourne identity. I'm going to hmm. say it. I don't know if that's that controversial. I don't know what what the standing of Bourne identity is in, in other well, film I think, circles. Um, if you if you want to say like, oh, Bond just copied Bourne, look at Quantum of Solace. Mm. Yeah, that's like, a good way to put it. Like, like, yeah, Quantum of Solace is what happens when Bond just tries to be Bourne. Mm. Casino Royale is what happens when Bond tries to make a good film for once. <laughs> um, so the... the, the uh, what's what's frustrating about this film's detractors is I feel like saying Casino Royale is your favorite is actually the more high art film snobby one to pick over Goldfinger. Like I feel like if right, someone yeah. was to like say Goldfinger is better than Casino Royale, that's the more inherently ridiculous thing to say you know what i mean i, I feel like right. i'm going crazy because i feel like what i'm saying is what would be made fun of for being pretentious and not the other way around which is like you would make fun of someone saying goldfinger is the best or at least we would for being pretentious like in terms <laughs> of filmmaking this is the only remotely interesting one in the series so far um it has like a <laughs> It doesn't start with the gun barrel sequence. It's the first one to not start with the gun barrel sequence, that um, the, the famous sequence that, that started almost or every other James Bond film. Um, yeah. And it opens in a with black and white, a black and white scene, and it's very grainy. Um, and it's so it's like cool. grindhouse almost. Yeah, yeah. And I know it sounds like such a strange thing to be like, it's black and white. What great filmmaking! But it's just this. It's the. It's tangible proof there's a creative stylistic decision gone into how to open the film which mm. is more than you can say for literally any other film in the series aside from the fact that they all have opening sequences this is the first one to be like what if we try something a little bit sexy what if we try something a little bit stylistic um and i love i love that scene um and it, yeah as you said before it's him it's showing him getting his first two kills which uh is what gives you double what is it what gives you double o status or is it how you earn your double o status huh i do not know i'm not sure um but th so there's that the integration of the story is so good it it takes itself seriously and in terms of bond movies i feel like the storyline is so quintessentially bond that it almost feels more bondy than any others despite how fresh and new it is like basing an entire espionage plot around winning a game of poker like the, the classiest mm. game you can play it, it remind did you ever see that face swap where people put uh, uh, David Schwimmer with Nicolas Cage's face, and it somehow looks more like David Schwimmer. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like that. It's like this has never been done in Bond before, but for some reason, this looks more like a Bond movie than any other Bond yeah. movie I've seen. Yeah, it's um, and and also like the the achievement of making uh poker be cinematic mm. like that that's it's good directing yeah to you don't have to know um a lot about poker i mean i i know like sort of the ordering of uh what hand beats what hand mm. um but and i'm sure like you know you could watch this film knowing very little about poker and know 
who has a good hand and who doesn't because yeah. of the way the story is told and it unfolds. Yeah. And it's also worth noting it's only the second act of the film that is in the yeah. casino. The, the titular Casino Royale in Montenegro. Do you know where Montenegro is? Yes. It's in Europe. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is such a marked improvement upon every other film in the series. The character is complex. The woman characters have substance, a lot of substance. Uh, yeah. The plot is smart. The villain is great. Lashif, Le- Lashifre, Le- played by uh, Mads Mikkelsen, and his, and his, he's got a blind eye that occasionally cries blood, but it's just a, a mutation of a cell. And he's like, it's nothing sinister, I assure you. And it's like, oh, that's so creepy. Um, yeah. It's yeah. so sinister. It's so sinister. It's the opposite of what he said. <laughs> um, we said this in the, the Brosnan episode, uh, but I want to mention it again. It really does feel like director Martin Campbell wanted to shake up the series with GoldenEye and bring it into a new modern world and boldly subvert what bomb movies are known for its trademarks yeah. its traditions but with goldeneye he, it didn't kill the past as as kylo ren would put it hard enough um yeah. and so and because the sequel's like tomorrow never dies is immediately a classic quote-unquote bond film compared mm. to goldeneye which which bucks the trend um and so I think, I feel like, and I, this is why I want to get a hold of Martin Campbell, I feel like he came back to Casino Royale to really destroy the series from the inside out, to mm. force it to rebuild. And while GoldenEye's sequels repaired immediately whatever holes it poked in the series, Casino Royale's legacy took a little bit longer to patch up, um, which we'll get to as we go throughout this episode, Richard. But what are some examples of ways in which Casino Royale disrespects the the bond brand so there's a bit um there there is a bit of the film where um he orders a his martini shaken not stirred Mm -hmm. the the specific cocktail being a vespa Mm -hmm. um which is a vodka martini Mm -hmm. what type of vodka martini um and uh he goes into specific detail how he wants it ordered and like if you're a fucking you know james bond um misogynist um, who's a fan of the Sean Connery movies you're like yeah you order that cocktail like a fucking man and then um, <laughs> later on in the film um, when he's he's just uh, lost a, a big hand and they go um, and he orders a martini and um, this is shaken or stirred and he goes do I look like I give a damn and it's you could not get a you could not get like closer to saying fuck you Sean Connery then how do you want your <laughs> martini do i look like i give a damn like it's so almost there um and that that's easily the most kind of like uh in your face example but there are just subtle ways in which it i i, I want the cynical part of me would be like it res- the, the characters respect women <laughs> you know you know what i mean like <laughs> real like cynical ways of putting it but the, it it does feel so intentional to um give what no one was asking for but they didn't know they want you know like yeah this movie is such a classic because it's brave man this is a Mm. brave film and i understand why purists don't like it but i don't like you if you're a a bond purist i think you're a bad person Mm. i said it um (laughs) but you also like so the the way it plays so like when you think of james bond you think of um, Bond, James Bond, which is the last line of the film, mm-hmm. and it's like deliberately held into held. You that don't line. hear the the theme um, music until then either. 
yeah um yeah you think of that theme music you think of a um a, like a sultry voiced uh woman singing the, the theme song we don't get that no. uh we tell we, we have him saying he doesn't give a damn about whether his martini is shaken or stirred yep. um you expect a, a brunette a man with brown hair yeah no yeah like like there's actually like all these things like the uh and the gun barrel sequence to open the mm. film and so so do you know as well so this was my first james bond film but i was obviously familiar with all the tropes just yeah. because as a consumer of pop culture for 13 years at that point yeah. <laughs> um but you have um i didn't know that there was a gun barrel I, like it took until this film for me to realize that we're supposed to be seeing down the barrel of a gun right yes and that that's blood coming down because the person who's pointing the gun at james bond has been shot it's it's a bit of a reach it's a bit of a stretch of a of a of a of an imagery like piece of imagery um but yeah, yeah for, for those who haven't seen the film or can't remember the the that black and white sequence at the start ends with the person you think bond has just killed suddenly drawing his gun from the ground and going to shoot him and he turns around and it turns into the gun barrel sequence so the gun barrel sequence is integrated into the the world of the film um yeah. and it's off oh, fuck it's cool it's so cool yeah. <laughs> and and it's he's he's a brute you know he's not a suave sophisticated gentleman he's a he's a blunt instrument he's a blunt instrument and there's a there, richard there is a great lessons from the screenplay video about um the character arc of james bond in this film which what his only character arc up until this yeah. point where he learns because because m tells him that he needs to control his ego and the movie is sort of like I feel like the movie is these are the punishments for when you don't control your ego, you mm. know, when you believe that this this woman is falling in love with you when she actually has a lot to gain, you know, that, yeah, that, and there's a bit where yeah, he's getting man. tortured. There's a bit where he's getting tortured and they're like, we're going to kill her if you don't give us the, the password because he knows the password. Yeah. And he's, he mumbles to himself the big picture which is what M tells him. You have to be concerned with the big picture picture because he kills a, a bomb maker at the start of the film, but it's one bomb maker as, as they, as M shouts yeah. at him. Um, and so, you know, this character, he becomes concerned with the big picture. Yeah. Even like, when it's, his nuts are getting mangled. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Um, Casino Royale uh, reminds me of like those top tier superhero films, like the dark Knight, which treat their source material with fantastic as like a fantastical exaggeration of the truth like the old bond movies are these fanciful legends and it's like well you know two-face wasn't really called two-face he, he just it was a nickname he had before he became yeah it, it's like and, this this is um casino real shows you the real person that the other films were based on exactly i agree and look i could probably talk about this movie for hours i probably <laughs> could uh, but in the interest of time and and getting to the other films in the series let's pull back to a simple way of praising the film which is a famous uh judgment uh from someone from some gold golden age director on how to judge a film and he said a, a great film has three good scenes and no bad ones yeah. there are no bad scenes in casino royale and i would like to pitch you what i believe are the, are the three good scenes in casino royale there's more than three but the three best scenes yeah it's howard them. hawks howard hawks thank you i was going to say um um who was the aviator uh howard hughes how i was gonna say that i was like do not say howard hughes it is not howard hughes aj um 
So the three good scenes, um, which which or well, the three best scenes of Casino Royale, the opening, uh, the opening or after the the theme, uh, the the opening sequence, uh, the parkour fight where he's chasing yeah, the bomb maker. Where are they? They're in, um, like uh, Somalia or something like that. Um, and he yeah. chases him through a construction site, and it's this this incredibly choreographed parkour scene. Um, yeah, and which, it's it's very two thousand six. Like it's yeah, it is. It, but <laughs> it's, it's a video like, game. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like like it's it's a cool. It's an um uh Madagascar. Ah, there you go. Um, um and, but this, just one thing about that scene. It's the one like my one of my main memories from the film. Um, having seen it fourteen years ago. Um, mm-hmm. is there's a bit where so. And it's the kind of um, showing how James, at this point especially, is just like a blunt instrument. Yeah. Um, so there's a bit where they're, yeah, like you say, they're running through a construction site and there's this uh, like bit of jib board, like drywall, that has a little gap above it. And the guy he's chasing after does this like sick, he like jumps up into a bar and then like flips himself so he jumps through it feet first um, and lands perfectly and keeps running. And then Bond just powers through the drywall and just like yeah. smashes the wall he kool-aid mans the drywall yeah the drywall. It's, so, it's so good man <laughs> it's so cool and and yeah it's the blunt instrument and he he makes a jump from a crane that he knows he can't make and he barely survives by the skin of his teeth because his ego is too big he thinks he can do these things but he can't nemo um so that's what a scene what a scene man mm. like that scene was famous when it came out because parkour was just getting mainstream appeal and people were like holy shit this is awesome yeah um, and it's such a good scene that all of other all of daniel craig's other movies tried to do it as well <laughs> <laughs> um the second great scene and this may be i don't know if this is this is a very aj choice i was going to say it's an unconventional choice i don't think it is i think it's it's probably it's probably not it's conventional uh, which for the, you yeah yeah it's the scene where bond com, com, uh, comforts vespa in the shower yeah so they've just um killed some some people at the at casino royale who were trying to kill them it's quite a, a grisly affair and bond goes back to their hotel room and vespa who at this point they aren't like romantically involved but they're playing the part of lovers to as mm. you know that's their cover um at the casino game at the at the poker game um and he get, he goes back to the hotel room and vespa is sitting in the shower with her, her dress still on just the shower water pouring all over and he goes and sits down beside her gets all wet himself his tuxedo's getting wet and she says um it feels like there's blood on my hands and no matter how hard i try i can't wash it off or something like that and then he says let me see and she she shows him his hands and in a very like i like the scene because what he does is kind of strange it's a weird thing to do but mm. he like sucks on each of her fingers as a way to like metaphorically suck the blood off her fingers and yeah. i kind of like how vaguely kinky that is i kind of like how off kilter that is it's such a strange thing to do but that strangeness somehow makes it more comforting and it might be my favorite scene in the film just because of how again it's a fuck you sean connery scene yeah. it's like you would never you would never get sean connery comforting a woman who's who's yeah. like mortified that she's helped kill someone that's so un-james bondy that in here it's it's breathtaking it's such a well little performed scene and there's a very fun piece of trivia about that scene which i'll let you share um so i actually have two fun things to say okay. about that scene <laughs> uh one is a fun piece of behind the scenes trivia the other one's uh an insight into my personal life which one do you want to hear first <laughs> 
Uh, let's go the... I feel like the, the personal life will be more interesting, so let's start. Let's save the best till last and go the behind-the-scenes trivia. Okay, so... Um, <laughs> um, so the fun piece of trivia is that, like, when filming that scene... Um, because he he grabs one finger at first and then grabs uh, two and then like say so like sucks on one of her fingers and then sucks on two. Apparently, this when he went to do two at a time. Um, Daniel Craig actually put three in his mouth and it just looked real weird, like sucking on three of her fingers. So they CGI'd one out. And if you look like super super closely, you can see his mouth looks a little bit weird. Um, <laughs> That's so funny. When doing that. The other one is, so I've actually like had this happen to me that like- What do you mean? Um, not in any way as well. So here's the story. So I killed a bunch of guys. I haven't <laughs> thought about this in like 10 years. So I was at a party and I used to um, <laughs> like- it's self-awarely i would like grab a guitar at a party and like i ca- i can't play the guitar but i would like parody the idea of like a douchebag dressing <laughs> a guitar at a party and i got real into it one night and my fingers started bleeding and there was this random girl i'd never met um who um like and what she thought was like you know probably like this real cool sexy thing to do um like sucked the blood off my fingers um and okay <laughs> it wasn't as like like you say it's it, it is like in the movie it's like this cool moment because it's like it's kind of a weird thing to do and in real life it is a real weird thing to do <laughs> what's well, i think it's it's worth noting that vespa doesn't literally have blood on her hands <laughs> 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 imagine if she literally had blood on her hands and bond like contracts like hepatitis or yeah something. well that's the thing so like i can I, you contract hepatitis from eating blood uh, maybe it's only from yeah, blood presumably. transfusion um, I don't know. Anyway, so I'd never met this girl before. I, I do not know her name and I never saw her again. Like after mm. even just like, I don't know who she, who she knew at the party. I don't know anything. It's just this random girl that sucked blood off my fingers and then left the room and I never saw her again. Wow. Well, the third moment. Best scene <laughs> in Casino Royale. Not the third best, but the third just as good as the other two scenes. Um, is one of my favourite scenes in all of cinema, Richard, which is the testicular torture scene where Lashif <laughs> captures Bond, um, strips him naked, cuts a hole in a chair, straps him to the chair and gets like a big thick hunk of rope and with a knot at the end and starts smacking his balls till before for him to tell him the password. And... I remember where I was, Richard. I remember we were a little bit too close to the movie screen. Like, we had got there late. I was with my dad and my brother. We'd got there later than, than we wanted to, so we had kind of cheap seats. Um, I remember <laughs> hearing... Price. That's not how it works in New Zealand. Huh? It's <laughs> not how it works. They're not cheap seats. They're... No, I, I was being metaphorical. Yeah. Cheap seats usually refers to the back, though, doesn't it? In, in theatre, it does, because you can't see. Yeah. Yeah. The cheap seats in a movie theater would be the front seats, I guess. Mm. Anyway, I see they all um, the same. So the the uh, I'm sorry. I yeah, I, rem- <laughs> I remember being way too close to the screen. I remember like hearing beforehand. It was the first Bond movie I ever saw in the cinema, which is probably one of the reasons I'm so attached to it. Um, and I remember hearing before that Bond gets his nuts tortured. Like I'd been told that, and just I again, yeah, I was I would have been the same age as you, so thir- twelve or thirteen. And I remember just thinking like, what? 
You can't put that in a Bond movie. They're so classy. Well, you know, now all these years later, I'm like, no, they're not. They're not classy. This one is classy. The, the classiest <laughs> one is the one where he gets his balls. The one with CBT is the classy one. <laughs> um, and so the scene plays out, and you kind of, you kind of like, I remember, I remember thinking to myself, God, I would give up. Oh my god, before the first hit. Immediately. I would say the password's Vespa, the password's Vespa. Like, yeah. please do not hit my balls. And um <laughs> and I thought because the, I, I knew that's what I would do, I thought that's what he would do. Right? right. And he doesn't. He survives a few hits and then he goes <clears throat> he goes to like say something to Lashif and he leans in close and Bond goes, I've got a little itch. Do you mind? Down there. And he sort of laughs and smacks his ball. He's like, no, no, to the right, to the right. And he, so he hits him again. He's like, yes, yes, that's it, that's it. And then he says, one of my favourite lines of dialogue of all time, now the whole world will know you died scratching my balls. Which, again, you can't put, you put that line in a James Bond movie. Yeah. These like, like Sean Connery would be like so mad. I, I base the quality of, of James Bond movies over whether or not Sean Connery would be mad at them and if he is then they're a good movie yeah um <laughs> and also like, like like having your your super macho manly hero have his nuts absolutely wailed on mm. is like another big fuck you to the like yeah 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 it's a, it's a sexual prowess you know that's where it all comes from mm. um that's and, how he can go around having so much sex because like this is his origin story and there's yeah. no way he's having babies after this <laughs> um and so and it's it's such an amazing scene the fact that he says scratched my balls in a james bond movie <laughs> and also like the fact that like um what does he mean the whole world will know what is he even talking about it's it's almost like he's breaking the fourth wall it's almost like he's telling yeah, 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 yeah. saying like everyone watching this movie will now know you died scratching my balls which is one of the manliest things i've ever heard a character utter on screen but then richard the next the next line he says is actually my favorite where um he he he's like i'm now going to um he pulls out a knife he's like i'm going to take off what you seem to not value basically he's going to cut his dick off basically and well, james I bond, cut his balls off yeah yeah and james bond says um something along the lines of um i'm not going to tell you anything because no matter what you do to me no matter what you do to me i'm not going to tell you anything which means that your people are going to find you and cut you into little pieces which is like the whole thing about how like I was like I'd give up immediately. Yeah. The fact that he he goes as far as being like cut my fucking balls off, dude. You're in more trouble than me. Yeah. It it was to me. It's the it was you one need the, me more than I need you. Kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. It was one of the first times in a movie where I literally thought, careful, he's a hero. <laughs> you know, like I literally <laughs> was like, I was like, wow, he actually is a hero if he's willing to go this far to protect the world he's actually a hero um and then of course uh the the guys immediately bust in and kill the chief um imagine if bond actually got castrated in this film oh that'd be so cool <laughs> <laughs> um 
so yeah that's that is one of my favorite scenes in all of cinema and this must be such a whip crack from people who have listened to our last james bond episodes (laughs) where we've just been like oh they're so sexist and horrible and now i'm like this is one of the coolest cinematic experiences i've ever had like this (laughs) changed this changed my life the storytelling was so good it had a profound effect on me um so yeah contemporary critics of casino royale were all extremely positive with many saying the haunted grisly version of the character was actually apparently the closest to fleming's description from the novels but i feel like we've heard that about connery and Moore as well um and um dalton roger ebert even said it may be time for sean connery to move over personally i think sean connery needed to move over when george lazenby stood up to me <laughs> uh any more thoughts on casino royale richard before we descend and what will probably be a calmer much more <laughs> subdued yeah. remainder of the podcast uh, oh, casino royale final thoughts no no well richard let's move on with the same vigor to quantum of solace 2008 directed by mark forster um director of world war z a movie i hate and christopher Christopher robin Robin, a movie i hate um what do you think quantum of solace has on rotten tomatoes like 56 it's got 65 percent on rotten tomatoes i had the numbers right yeah that's well done man good job (laughs) what is the what is quantum of solace about um okay so following on almost immediately um from the end of casino royale uh mm. this film happens and then um that's kind of it really so bond is seeking the re- revenge for the death of vesper um and is assisted by a woman named camille who is plotting revenge for the murder of her own family the trail eventually leads them to wealthy businessman dominic green a member of of the quantum organization which intends to stage a coup d'etat in bolivia to seize control of the water supply that's what the movie's about yeah you're welcome everyone who's watched this movie (laughs) i've just reminded you what it's about um this is the shortest bond film clocking in at a measly one hour 47 minutes richard yeah pathetic the average runtime of these films is like two hours 10 most of them are about two hours 10 Mm. um it's but this uh, quantum of will be a full 55 minutes shorter than the reported runtime of no time to die which is at uh two hours and 43 minutes which is the longest which, one the longest one in the series today and, but at, at the moment casino Real's the longest one today right correct? yeah there you go so the quantum of solace title is taken from one of the short stories in ian fleming's for your eyes only anthology although the story is completely different um the meaning of the title because when it came out everyone was like what does that mean Mm. what's the quantum of solace so the meaning of quantum of solace is sort of a weird way of describing um heartbreak uh but it's also referencing quantum the organization um but here's an excerpt from the short story quantum of solace which is completely different um it says the governor paused and looked reflectively over at bond he said you're not married but i think it's the same with all relationships between a man and a woman they can survive anything so long as some kind of basic humanity exists between the two people when all kindness is gone when one person obviously and sincerely doesn't care if the other is alive or dead then that is just no good that particular insult to ego worse to the instinct of self-preservation can never be forgiven i've noticed this in hundreds of marriages 
miscarriages. I've seen flagrant infidelities patched up. I've seen crimes and even murder forgiven by the by the other party, let alone bankruptcy and every other form of social crime. Incurable disease, blindness, disaster, all of these can be overcome, but never the death of common humanity in one of the partners. I've thought about this, and I've invented a rather high-sounding title for this basic human factor in human relations. I've called it the law of the quantum of solace. So, it essentially means a relationship needs a quantum of solace left in it uh, to have a chance of surviving. It's a, a modicum of respect. Yeah, a, it's, it's a minimum amount of uh, mm. me time. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, boy, boy, do I have an interesting relationship with quantum of solace. Okay, um, should I play devil's advocate right now and 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 give you the um the general consensus on this film, which is also my view on this film? I I don't know if I disagree too strongly, but go ahead. Uh, so this film wasn't very good. If it wasn't for another film coming up that we're about <laughs> to talk about, uh, this would be far and away the worst daniel craig film uh it's it's worth mentioning this film um was uh the the production schedule was fucked up by the writer's strike which Mm -hmm. happened in 2007 and so it was like this this film i'm pretty sure the script was like uh you know a a draft was like uh quick done uh, and then sent off and that was and then the writer's strike started at midnight kind of thing written written scenes were written on set that sort of thing yeah and so it's uh and as such it feels like a very messy film um Mm. it does uh my other complaints about the film uh it's over reliance on shaky cam which is um trying to emulate that paul greengrass style from uh the Bourne films mm-hmm. uh the plot is just nonsensical in terms of like your ability to follow it i, I don't like it's right it's it's not a silly plot it's a convoluted plot yeah it's convoluted and also like the, the entire thing because of, of its short runtime as well um which i part of me welcomes at this point in the franchise um mm-hmm. to have a a f- a runtime that is just like uh, if it had been short and focused and that's all the story needed to be great mm. make the film an hour 46 um but it, the whole thing just feels like a, a second third act of casino real because casino real already has like such a distinct third act like the film feels like it ends like there's a scene where if you're watching it you didn't know how long it was you'd be like this is the final scene of the film and then there's another half hour that's that that almost feels tacked on but it's done so well and it and it is until it happens you don't realize that it's paying off all the stuff you know um and so now we have what feels like an epilogue to that and doesn't stand on its own enough but then the stuff they shove in to try and make it stand on its own like the quantum organization and all that it just feels it doesn't feel earned and so you have a convoluted story uh, mm. that is hard to look at because of the shaky cam, um, and it almost undoes the goodwill from Casino Royale. Yeah, I think that it's the by adding quantum, by adding the the finale, which takes place at a a desert hotel that catches yeah. on fire, which is a, a cool visual. Yeah, um, and and the whole like um, them trying to to uh, privatize the water supply in Bolivia. Um, that means that if you if you if your last 
if your last attempt at salvation for the for defending this film was saying it's just an epilogue to casino royale putting this stuff in it makes it too much of its own thing mm. to comfortably call itself an epilogue and we talked how about how um how tomorrow never dies the pierce brosnan film is a playstation one game it feels like a playstation one game it looks like a playstation one <laughs> game it just has that vibe and how die another day is a playstation two game for similar reasons and then you mentioned how um and this is on the last james bond episode you mentioned how casino royale feels like a ps3 game and we sort of talked about that with the the parkour scene feels very like look at all the capabilities of the things you can do yeah. on the playstation 3 and it's also um, and playstation 3 felt like the most serious um mm. one because because um ps1 was like it was this new thing like and mm. and it was trying to balance story and and visual and like and, and everything you could cram into that small disc ps2 was like let's just go fucking wild with it and then ps3 was like look Video this, this can be adults. this this is this is art now yeah and and you, then you also said that skyfall feels like a ps4 game which i would also agree with uh then that would mean that quantum of solace is dlc for consider yeah. royale it's it's the downloadable content that's released six months after the main event where you can play it and it's like oh it's got its own little story that's cool that's it's got they bought the, all the actors back yeah and him. it's and it's not worth the price like it's it's not a full game and and yeah. you if you play it expecting a full game you're going to be disappointed hmm. so yeah as i said i have a pretty interesting relationship with this film i think so i've seen it three times i saw it in the cinema where i remember liking it initially uh but soon forgetting everything about it um mm. until 2012 where i watched it in preparation for skyfall and i was expecting it because by the time this reputation for the for quantum Solace was like oh it's so bad it sucks and so that's all i remembered about it was people thought it sucks i was like oh, i must suck um and so we watched it again for skyfall me and jeremy actually we we watched it together uh and you i had watched every other bond film as we have now so and i didn't like them then either right so getting up to this one and thinking it was gonna suck compared to octopussy compared to like being stuck in the dregs of these 60s and 70s horrible misogynistic films i was like this film is great and i spent i i really liked it the second time i saw it and i i feel like i spent the next eight years proudly defending the film whenever the topic came up um mm. insisting that it wasn't that bad that it's the most emotional bond movie you did a cold, um, po that, uh, cold popcorn about it there's a cold pop popcorn about it yep uh it's, i would say it's better than most other films in the series it's fine as a quieter epilogue to casino royale and then i watched it again after building it up so much for myself watched it again for this podcast and yeah it's not especially good uh, which is just funny that uh, my expectations were slingshotted back and forth from low yeah. expectations to high expectations across the three watches. Because yeah, um, I remember, like when we were talking about a, uh, uh, you know, just after we'd finished Brosnan, and we were talking about just off pod talking about the the films that we had coming up, and I was like, and I I made some uh, some comment about Quantum of Solace being the worst film in the franchise, and you were like, bro, like you're honest, you're actually gonna love it. It's so much better than like all these, and it's like all the things you've been wanting from a Bond film are in there. And then I and I watched your cult popcorn about it because I, I I you know I haven't seen this movie in twelve years. I don't remember much about it. Um, 
And then I watched your cult popcorn, and it was like about how like you know people um, people shed on the film because it shows like a vulnerable, broken bond and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I get that all that stuff's there, but what I remember not liking about it was that it's just it's convoluted and it's and it's hard to follow. And yeah. that that still is there. And and then any any sort of good uh, emotional through line to it is lost in all of that. Potentially. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm just telling you my experience. You're like, yeah, maybe. <laughs> well, well, you, I mean, uh, okay. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think this is a bad film. I think it's not a good film. Um, which is, it's subpar. It's, I would still rather watch this than over half of, this made it into my top 10 mm. of Bond movies. Oh, 100%. And, Oh, yeah, I was going to say, I feel like you would agree. It's still top 10, but that's more a statement on the quality of, of Bond films. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do think, I think my defenses of the film, if those are all you're going to focus on, still apply. Like, I would regard this film now, having watched it as an older man from when I watched it in 2012. <laughs> it's a it's a fumbled play, right? It's of, I, and of... Craig's two less popular films, so this Inspector, I think Quantum of Solace is without question the better film, uh, but it all depends on whether you prefer a swing and a miss to like a safe, comfortable failure. Uh, because for better or worse, <laughs> this film does carry on the story thread set up in Casino Royale, and I think it's admirable to attempt to continue the Neo Bond story. And while Skyfall is a better film, I am not. I'm not going to say it's, you know, I'm not, I'm not coming here to be like, hey, everybody, Quantum of Solace is better than Skyfall. Sorry. And then logging off Twitter. You know how people do that? They'll post like someone had to say it or something. And it's like mm. this shit opinion. Um, I'm not here to say that. But I do feel like Quantum of Solace is better at trying to honor the smash hit that Casino Royale was. Mainly in that Bond, he hasn't moved on from Vesper's death in a healthy way. And I really love that him and Camille, they don't get together at the end. They they kiss, but it's almost like a it's it's it almost feels obligatory for both of them. Yeah. And they just sort of become friends and try to set each other free of their respective pain. And there's a sadness to the end of their story. And yet, Richard, I find solace in it. Um, a quantum of it, if you will. <laughs> um, yeah. Does Does Bond have sex in this film? Yeah, he has sex with Strawberry Fields. That's right. Um, who then gets dipped in oil to, re- right, to, yeah, yeah. to as, a, as a reference, a callback to Goldfinger. Um, so I, I think that this film was being a sequel in the right ways and a film in the wrong ways. <laughs> That's a good way of putting you, it, yeah. Like if you if you if you told me this is what the emotional arc of Quantum of Solace is, I'd be like, that's that's the perfect place to take it after Casino Royale. But you needed to dress that up in a better a better package. So I yeah. will still defend it in that it's a good it's better as a sequel, or it's it's its emotional storyline is good. It's just yeah. what is that in the rest of the film that can't you cannot rely on the internal story uh, character arc to be your whole film, um, but yeah, it's undeniable that it's a victim of the writer's strike. Daniel Craig himself was stepping up to write parts of it because so him and Mark Forster were allowed to write because they weren't writers; they weren't part of the WGA, right, so yeah. they were allowed to write during the writer's strike. Um, but reading through Mark Forster's process, 
Uh, it's real interesting. He stated that he was never a fan of the series, but he enjoyed Casino Royale because of how much it humanized the character. So if Quantum of Solace... I mean, if, if Casino Royale, I like to think, is a result of a filmmaker who hates James Bond. I'm just putting that on Martin Campbell. Quantum of Solace is a result of a filmmaker who really liked Casino Royale. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So Roger Moore, the third actor to play Bond in the films, um, he commented on Die Another Day. We read that on the last Bond episode. He talked about how Die Another Day was stupid. He said this about the film. Uh, Daniel Craig is a damn good Bond, but the film as a whole, there was a bit too much flash cutting and it was just like a commercial of the action. There didn't seem to be any geography and you're wondering what the hell is going on, which is such an astute and intelligent critique of the film that I'm like, what did, was Roger Moore good at film criticism? This is a really well-written yeah. criticism. <laughs> and at this point he's like 70 or 80. Yeah, he's pretty fucking old, Roger Moore. Do you have any more thoughts on Quantum of Solace before we move on? Nah. It's a swing and a miss. And I would rather a well, swing you know, and a it, miss. It looks like everyone had fun making it. Yeah. Actually, I, I, actually, I, I will tell you, the, the one, my favourite part of this film is, um, it's quite a cool set piece where Bond is uh, fighting this other guy and they're on like scaffolding. And it keeps like falling and there's counterweights that drag them back up. And it ends with Bond. Um, he's got like, he's dangling by a rope attached to his ankle and frantically trying to grab his gun that's on the ground as um, and as he swings back and forth and is reaching for it uh, as the other guy is trying to grab his gun to shoot Bond. And it ends with them essentially managing to grab their gun at the same time. But Bond wins the shootout, and it's it's a very tense mm. and and it's quite a a cool. It's, it's like a it's like a manufactured western um, duel, mm. you know. Like yeah, yeah, that's cool. I like that scene too. Okay, well, Richard, let the sky fall because now we're talking about Skyfall. Mm. <laughs> Skyfall uh, from 2012 directed by Sam Mendes uh, what do you think this has on Rotten Tomatoes um, didn't you say that this like Skyfall was tied with um, something else no uh, Casino Royale is tied with Dr. No and from Russia with oh, yeah. uh, 92 92% so it is the f- fifth fifth the yeah. fifth highest rated um, Bond movie but the the third time it matters. <laughs> um, so yeah, what is what is Skyfall about? It's actually a pretty simple plot compared to the last two. Yeah, so this one is um is really about M, mm. and so there's a uh, a former MI six agent Raúl Silva, <laughs> played by yep. um, Javier Bardem, um, who essentially M traded his like left him to die on duty kind of thing and um he traded traded they the the enemy had six agents and they and they traded raul for the six agents so as the needs of the many outweighed the needs of the few Mm. kind of classic um dilemma yeah and so um his plot is to get his hands on the list of agents that are undercover essentially you know putting them out to be killed uh, mm-hmm. which you might recognize from Mission Impossible. Um, yeah. But yeah, and then so 
Bond's kind of like incidental to this whole thing. Mm. Really, I mean, it's it's almost uh, Mad Max Fury Road with yeah. Max and Furiosa. Yeah, yeah. So um, Bond uh, is is presumed dead on a mission uh, because he's accidentally shot by um, Money Penny, mm. who is later yeah. to be revealed to be Money Penny. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, he comes back when things get get rough, and uh, and yeah, it, it, it ends at Skyfall, which is the orphanage where uh, Bond grew up. And um, it ends at this massive shootout uh, uh, where where M ends up sadly passing away. But he gets Silver as well. He yep. kills Silver. Yep. So, Richard, um, are you ready for, after me just defending what at the time was Daniel Craig's worst to now, like, trash on what is objectively the, the one of the better films in the series. Yeah. <laughs> well, before we get to, to my um, very conflicted feelings for Skyfall, um, this what's interesting about it is that it took ages to come out because, mm. uh, so, I mean, it, I know it was, what, four years, but yeah. that's longer than, than the, that had been so far. It might be the, was it the longest ever? No, the longest ever was between GoldenEye and, uh, it was and be- License to Kill. Yeah, yeah. The the, the yeah. gap between I think this would have been the longest an actor took to mm. to release a film, but now it's happened again. <laughs> right. Yeah. So this film took ages to come out, um, because MGM ran into financial trouble and after the lukewarm right. reception to Quantum of Solace, I remember it feeling like this movie had so much riding on it. Do you mm. remember the electricity in the air when Skyfall was about to to release like yeah, well also ended up timing out that this came out on the 50th anniversary of the franchise that's true that's true and um, that, that was a big part of the the promotion mm, for it mm. there was so much hype for this movie and this was in 2012 a year which saw the avengers the dark knight rises the amazing spider-man and the hobbit an unexpected journey and part like the, the skyfall isn't my favorite film out of those but i feel like it was the movie event of the year it was the one that had the most fanfare. The one like everyone was talking about Skyfall. Yeah, I mean, I I don't agree, but I um I understand where you're coming from. But I I actually remember seeing like a a Reddit post in 2011 that was like 2012 is might be one of the best years for movies because it has all those things you'd listed. Yeah, that was like, it was such like a sequel a year, and everyone was like, oh, is Hollywood run out of ideas? Hmm. Um, but because this was um this is the highest grossing Bond film, it grossed a billion dollars. Mm, yeah. um it's it's the i think people like it's it was like if 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 casino royale was this indie movie which it wasn't but yeah because that um, was the highest grossing film up until yeah, yeah, yeah. but it, this feels like the big budget sequel like mm. blockbuster sequel um so what did you think of skyfall what do you think of skyfall um so skyfall's one that like uh, it, it's undoubtedly good and i don't think either yeah. of us are here to, to argue that or take Absolutely that away from not. anyone because i think <laughs> a lot of people really really like this film um but it's, it's it's interesting like i think it's maybe overrated um and i think that that's probably just the best word for it um and that it is good and it's definitely easily daniel craig's second best film and yeah. maybe the third or fourth best film in the entire franchise yeah. um but it's not uh one of my favorite films ever it's not like I, I, there's just something uh, there's just something about a, a je ne sais quoi that i i can't describe that that doesn't quite 
elevate it to the level of Casino Royale for me. As je ne sais quoi of bad. <laughs> yeah. Usually je ne sais quoi is like for this this X factor. It's got like an X factor of, of inequality. Well, it's the fact that it's missing the je ne sais quoi. <laughs> but yeah, and and then and I think just because of the hype around it that I was kind of like, mm. Mm. yeah, it is good. Like, if Casino Royale is a five-star movie, this is like a four or four-and-a-half-star movie. Yeah. It, it's like, it, it is great. Yeah. Um, But it, it, it is just like, there's something slightly off about it, and I can't even identify necessarily what that is. You, you mentioned, messaged me early in the week and said, Casino Royale is like, if, if it was like, what if Bond movies were good movies? Oh, yeah, yeah. And- like, Casino Royale is, um, yeah, is, is what if instead of Bond, you had a good movie? And Skyfall is, what if you had Bond, but made it a good movie? Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Um, because, yeah, and I think because Skyfall, like, the, the, the whole point of it, really, and that, that was the thing everyone was talking about, was that it is, like... Um, it was this big event that celebrates 50 years of the franchise. There's a there's an Aston Martin. We're introduced to the new Q. And like there's it's got it's more about gadgets, whereas the last two films didn't really have any. And it's interesting, the other sort of phenomenon I've noticed about this film is that I've I've heard people say, um, like classic Bond fans say, um, it's it's a great movie, but it's not a good Bond movie. Um, and I've heard other people say um, it's all right, but it's a real good Bond movie. Mm. Um, and, and it's interesting that like th- there must be just different levels of Bond purists and some it appeals to and some it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite thing about the film is the cinematography. Oh, yeah. The Deeks. Shot by Roger Deakins. This is a beautiful film. This is a gorgeous film. It's the best looking Bond film, bar none. Mm. One of the only ones that probably tried to be good looking, but there you go. Um uh, in terms of story, I really like the first half of the film. I think the opening is great, yeah. where 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 uh, uh, Money Penny accidentally shoots Bond, um, and that sort of kicks off the whole his whole um, character arc. I think the setup is dark and compelling. Um, the scene where he takes out the sniper is it in? Where is that? Where does that happen? Wherever Shanghai. it is, it's Shanghai. What a scene! Such a wonderful, such a such a beautifully shot scene. It has echoes, or uh, I was going to say echoes of Blade Runner twenty forty nine, but whatever the opposite of that, because Blade Runner twenty forty nine came out after. Mm. Uh, I think that just after Silver is introduced, the story takes a very slow dive, and this isn't because of Silver. Because I think he's a great villain, yeah. probably the best Bond villain. I was going to say probably Daniel Craig's best Bond villain, and then I was like. Well, he's probably the best villain in the franchise. Um, it is also worth pointing out. Um, so he's the main villain in this. How long is this film? Two hours. Uh, two hours twenty. Two, two hours twenty-three. The main villain is introduced one hour and ten minutes into it. There you go. So it's like, um, and it feels like a long wait till he gets there. Yeah, and when he when he turns up, he like makes kind of a, a gay pass at Bond and he responds with like they kind of flirt for a bit and it's yeah. great my god what a what a brave it's the bravest thing this film does Richard yeah. because he's he's like he Bond's tied up and he kind of like caresses a bullet wound in his in his pectoral and then moves to the other pectoral and then he strokes his legs and says like um says something about how this will have never happened to bond and or something like that and and bond's like what makes you think this is my first time which is like oh shit did bond do gay shit oh shit (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> which is great. I want him to have done done gay Well, because, I mean, which... like, he's this international super spy. Like, surely he's had to seduce a man at yeah. some point. And you would have yeah. to for England. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and it's it's just such a... um. It's such a uh, to to use a poker analogy. It's a um, I don't know the po- the poker words. Like he he tries to beat him, but then he matches it. You know what I mean? He tries to, f- to it's, freak he him called out. him. He calls him. Yeah, he calls his go. bluff. Yeah, calls his bluff. Yeah. Um. So I I love that, and I love I think I think uh, Silver's motivation is great. A because what do you do in that situation? It, it M M from a democratic point of view, M made the right decision. It's the trolley problem. She. Mm saved multiple lives to give up him but what but this movie is like what if the guy you choose to the one person you choose to let the train run over in the trolley problem what if he comes back for revenge yeah it's it's cool man it's good stuff um but i think when they take him back to london the film becomes like a wannabe the dark knight yeah it's um it's It's very very nolan-esque yeah it's the um i don't you see i wanted to get caught which he wants to get caught so he's 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 um in a glass box and he 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 takes out his retainer showing how like the cyanide capsule he tried to kill himself with just fucked up his face um and then puts the retainer back in and he's immediately incredibly handsome character actor javier bardem again (laughs) and it's like it's a pretty good retainer i don't know (laughs) is it painful because it looks fine um (laughs) Um, but yeah and then he just gets convoluted and so there's like the famous kind of plot hole or not plot hole just like thing in this for his film. plan to work yeah. he has to know the train timetable well not even the train timetable so like uh the, the, there's the famous bit in this film where um uh silver uh ex- you know creates an explosion behind bond that creates a hole because they're, they're having this chase through the underground london mm. underground and um bond's like oh was that supposed to hit me and he's like no but that is and then this train comes like barreling through um and it's like he had to have planted explosives in this building, in this like underground railroad that uh, to to end up in a specific room that Bond chased him to in a chase he didn't know he would be having. And it's like, yeah, and he had yeah. to time his little quips. Know that Bond wouldn't shoot him when he walks into the room. Time his little quips so that it works out perfectly. Do you think after the train comes through, Silver climbs out of the manhole? He's like, holy shit, that went down so well. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe that worked out as good as it did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, there's it's very, yeah. Yeah, it, it lets the film down, I think. Um, And I'm of two minds about the finale of the film at Skyfall. Same. So I've I've always felt disappointed that the mysterious titular location is just referring to the the house that Bond grew up in because mm. it feels so incidental. And earlier in the film, they talk about how Silver and Bond were both both come from the shadows. They both were trained at the same academy, and M mm. like handpicked both of them. When I first saw this film, it wasn't until I rewatched it that I realized that Skyfall is not the academy they're both from. Mm. Which should be. And yeah. I'm so confident that that's what it should be that I reckon if Sam Mendes heard me say that, he'd be like, fuck, that's such a better idea. Well, no, well, I, I, I disagree somewhat because the whole oh, point okay. of um, of hiding out at Skyfall is what's the only place they would never look. And it's the, and like, oh yeah, go back to the academy where you can load okay. up on guns. So maybe, maybe some tinkering in the 
in the setup. But I think if it if because because if Skyfall was the spy academy, then it's relevant to Bond, Silver, and M. Spyfall. Like it's, it's Spyfall. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um. So if if it was the academy, just like you don't even have to change the scenes. It's yeah. just yeah, it's it's this old house. That's the academy. Um. What's I'm your not other a, mind? Huh? What's your other mind? What did you say? What do you mean? You have two minds about it. All oh, right. You've given uh, us I, one. What is the other? Well, I've, I haven't finished the first mind. Oh, so wow. I can continue on. Um, I'm not a big fan of the film turning into like Home Alone, where they're like sitting Yeah, that's, up that's the a traps. common thing. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like that. I think that as, as someone who's not a Bond purist, I feel like mm. that's unbond. That's yeah, un-bond as someone me. who has uh, negative memories associated with Home Alone, um, <laughs> I find that so hard to watch. It actually, it actually upset me to be honest, and I'll be writing to MGM. <laughs> yeah, um, it's very triggering for me. <laughs> but mostly, and I don't know if this is a controversial opinion. I never really see anyone else talk about it. But there's a games master at Skyfall named Kincaid, played by Albert Finney, and he is a pointless character, and he ruins mm. so much about the climax. So first of all, he was so obviously supposed to be played by Sean Connery. Mm. Like he's written in a way where it's like you're supposed to know who this is, audience. But yeah. if it's it's, on it's a, supposed like a to be meta- a reveal when he walks yeah. in, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not Sean Connery. The role was actually never offered to Sean Connery. They they thought about it, but then thought it'd be stunt casting. Yeah, they thought it'd um, be distracting. I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so they should have just struck the character from the script because he comes out of nowhere. He doesn't do anything. And when um, M is about to get killed by Silver when he catches up to her after they escape the burning house, he like holds up a gun. Well, he points a gun at Kincaid and is like, don't come any closer. And then he holds M's head next to his and then points a gun at his own head. So like he's going to shoot himself and kill M at the same time, or he's going to make M pull the trigger. And I know I can understand why maybe Kincaid wouldn't react when he's got a gun pointed to him, but now he's he's uh, Silver's distracted. His eyes are closed. Kincaid is holding a gun and can use a gun, and he just doesn't do anything. And I don't know why the character is in the movie. He's just in the room watching this this woman. He's he's like so far been pretty diehard about trying to save. He just watches her. Yeah, it feels like if you want to just have like a third person there, there was no point introducing a new character. Like, I would be mm. quite happy to see Q step up, although that's kind of done in the next film. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, hey, that, that that wasn't out yet. <laughs> yeah, um, you're not copying yeah. it if it doesn't exist. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, I would have been quite happy to see anyone pop up. But and and uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about the um, the Sean Connery casting because. On our Timothy Dalton episode, we spoke about the uh, what you so stupidly referred to as the mini Bonds theory, um, and this this is the film that essentially it was like a common um, fan theory that uh, James Bond is just a code name. It's it's yeah. like much like 007. Uh, but this film explicitly shows you that his parents had the last name Bond, essentially confirming that his birth name is James Bond, which makes him a shitty spy. Because everyone just knows his real name. Although I also that that's a common like, oh, he's what a shitty spy. But I think it's like I mean I've already said this on the podcast, but like James Bond is kind of like the boogeyman. People people aren't sure he exists. Like right. he's the the famous James Bond, and the people see him and they go, like, oh shit, like 
he's real, you know? Um, but so this film, and this would just mess with the, the many bonds theory as well, or like essentially confirm it or maybe not if it was Sean Connery playing it. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to call it the many bonds theory if you don't want to, Richard. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would have loved if, if Sean Connery had played. I, I, I would have loved to at the time not having seen the the Connery movies. Mm. And Yeah, now I don't want to give Sean Connery work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but like, it would have been such a fun little cameo and like a little celebration. Even if Roger Moore had played him. Mm. Roger Moore probably would have been better as yeah. Kincaid. But even then... That's if the character has to be well, because also the whole thing takes place in Scotland, so it's like yeah, a yeah. grey-haired Scot mm. um, who taught who taught Bond everything he knows. You know, should be yeah. Sean Connery. Um, and that that's if this character even needs to be in the film, yeah. which I'm not convinced he does. So my second mind of two minds about this film, uh, Judy Dench is incredible. She is so good in this movie. Yeah. Um, I like how M is the protagonist of the film, essentially. Like, yeah. she probably has she has less screen time than Bond, but she's the one with the character arc. She's the mm. one with the regrets that, that she's dealing with the conflict she's responsible for. Um, she, the fact she dies is a bold move, and I applaud it. Yeah. Um, well, it seems like they needed to get rid of Judy Dench at some point. And, and like, I think it's like... This film was existed around where we're going to write Judy Dench out kind of thing. Mm. Um, but it is, um, I, I read somewhere that it was like, um, Judy Dench has more screen time in this film than Des- Desmond Llewellyn had, uh, who played Q for like most of the films across from Connery <laughs> to, um, Brosnan to Brosnan. Um, she has more screen time in this film than he has combined over all of his appearances. <laughs> well, because you've got, they've had the secret weapon, which is Judy Dench, an incredible actress yeah. for what, eight movies. And they yeah. haven't done anything with her really. Um, I mean, she's, she is great in the other ones. I love in Casino Royale, which is like, Christ, I miss the cold war. If any agent did what he did, they'd have the sense to defect Christ, I miss the cold war. What a line. Mm. Um, and, in, and in this, I did, you notice one, uh, one kind of fun observation is that in Casino Royale and, quantum of solace you see her she gets woken up at home and mm. she has a husband you never you mm. don't see his face but she has a husband and then in skyfall she mentions her late husband so sometime between those films he passed away interesting that's a cool point yeah i mean she could have been married more than once what within four years or no no i mean she could have a late husband and then oh, also currently be married yeah um, well, I like I like that my, the that her husband is dead theory more because well, it's not even a, if it is a theory, um, because that means when she dies, she's not leaving behind a grieving yeah. widower. Yeah, yeah, right. Happier. And it's cool that um, that her last words when Bond is cradling her um, as she passes away, and she looks up at him and says, "At least I did something right," which mm. she says in a way that sounds way less cheesy than how I delivered it. She says it so matter-of-factly because these movies the, these movies are best when the characters are unemotional, but the movies aren't unemotional. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so if Martin Campbell wanted to destroy the foundations of James Bond, um, with Skyfall and especially Spectre, it's very clear that Sam Mendes, who I'm assuming based on the films, is a massive classic Bond fan, mm. um, wanted to bring these foundations back. And it just so happens that Skyfall balances these familiar trademarks of the series past with 
you an exciting, challenging personal story. Yeah. Um, where Spectre leans way too hard into the old ways. And look, I like seeing Q. I like, I think Moneypenny being a more well-rounded character is fun. Um, mm. I think and it's great. I, that I really dies. like the new Q. I love Ben Whishaw as an actor. Mm. Yeah, um, and I like Mallory. Um, Rafe, Rafe Fiennes is Mallory, who replaces M. Uh, it all fits the brief if the brief is we're telling Bond's origins. But at this point, I'd kind of forgotten we were doing that and thought we were just making cool movies. Yeah, uh, like I, I, I like um i think it's a good decision to do two films of like not even recognizable as bond and then it's like bring it back for a celebration for 50 years mm. yeah because even we even can return i don't know if you were timing this now but we could um we could we even get a chance to return to problematic corner richard it's my next note you <laughs> you <laughs> You bloody mind reader. Yeah, I was going to say, what I've written down here is the worst thing Sam Mendes brings back is something that I genuinely felt had been done away with in Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace. Problematic corner. So, fuck, it's 2012 and Skyfall is more problematic than like, Brosnan. I don't know. It's probably more problematic than, than Dalton mm. as well. Like, what are we doing, man? We'd moved away from this in, in quite a classy and um, um, a way that that felt like a genuine apology. Like, like <laughs> Casino Royale feels like a genuine apology to the the ways that Bond had treated women um, in in the earlier films, and it's so disappointing because Skyfall, Skyfall, Skyfall feels fresh and new and that point that I was talking about, where I feel like the story dips, coincides with the first big problematic thing that happens in skyfall do you want to detail what it is um i can't remember how we end up there but essentially um bond saves this girl from uh being sold well she's already part of she's a former sex slave yeah she's a former severine i think yeah she should but she 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 essentially grew up in a life of sex slavery sex trafficking sex trafficking that's what um and bond rescues her and then she's like having her first shower as a free woman like what a moment this must be for her yeah like 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 literally and figuratively like washing away your past and then bond comes in and goes hey i'm naked (laughs) remember how i saved you (laughs) time to pay me back bitch so and it's interesting because i'm sure in the minds of the filmmakers the scene is like they both want it and it's the sexy initiative that bond takes that Mm. he knows that he wants to but you can't help feel like like the way you just described it then it's like she's washing away the sins of her past and then a man without asking gets in the shower with her and she kind of like welcomes it but maybe that welcome is like a response and a realization of the same. It's it's her muscle memory. Yeah, and, and well, and, it's also just like her being like, "Wow, even this nice guy who saved yeah. me still just wants this from me." God, that's grim. That's, it's Isn't fucking that, grim. It's grim as hell. And then he's like indirectly, or kind of directly, <laughs> responsible for marching her towards her death because he oh, she takes right. him it's to so where sad. Silver is based. And then they just Jesus Christ! It's it's an icky moment. It's it's it's. It's one of it feels almost like top three most problematic Bond scenes, and it's in Skyfall. Mm. It's so sad. Um, and we're not the only ones who have a problem with it. the The National Sexual Violence Resource Center 
Uh, they express concern that Bond abuses his power and authority, as they put it, with well, he does. Severine. And he does. And it's sad. And look, Sam Mendes's track record with woman characters isn't great. Uh, and you can argue he did justice with M's character. And also his track th- record of like casting male actors. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What do you mean? Oh, you've made American Beauty. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, right. Um, well, I've got another American Beauty joke coming up later on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> stay tuned. Um, I feel like he inherited Judy Dench as M. And he just mm. tapped into the gold mine with her. Um, and after she's gone, we get Spectre, which is probably the worst treatment of female characters in 20, 30 years of the franchise. <laughs> um, but before we get to Spectre, do you have any more final thoughts on Skyfall? Uh, I did, but then I forgot it or I already said it. That's podcasting, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we got Spectre in 2015, so three years later, and Sam Mendes returned to direct, as I said. What do you think Spectre has on Ron Tomatoes? Um, I mean, it's got to be low, right? Um, is it actually not fresh, though? It's lower. It's the lowest of Daniel Craig's movies. So what was um, Quantum? 65. 62. 63 i'm sorry please play again <laughs> uh and yeah man this is a 63 percent movie i well, it's probably less actually i remember when the trailer dropped um and i was like this looks bad <laughs> like like just from the trailer alone i was like mm. man this doesn't look very good um what is it about though richard what okay is Spectre so about? specter opens with this beautiful log take following bond through mexico city during a Dia de los Muertos festival, <laughs> um, Day of the Dead. And um, then it's this like fucking cool um, fight scene. They're like in a helicopter and he like tips the guy out. And it's a very, very cool opening scene. And then this, um, the the opening titles start and the movie goes rapidly speeding downhill. <laughs> <laughs> and so what goes uh, up must come down (laughs) exactly and um so this is uh brings back specter um which is headed by a mysterious man um who um franz oberhauser who's um (laughs) which is a hundred percent his real name and it's like it's so stupid (laughs) so like it's the head of specter and then um there's this whole fucking plot there's um there's a mole in mi6 who is andrew scott who is fantastic it is fantastic in this movie um (laughs) i i have nothing bad to say about andrew scott um but um yeah so it ends up that uh bond meets this girl and then they go to oberhauser's 
compound and he reveals that his name is Blofeld, which means nothing to Bond or the audience. Well, it means something to the audience. Well, it means something to the audience. It's the same as um, Ray Skywalker (sighs) and and going to to Tatooine. I'm sorry. That's going to come up again as well. Oh, God. Look, I'll refer to it um, as... A certain film about wars and the stars. Is that better? <laughs> um, but um, so then Blofeld says that he was actually behind everything. Oh, everything God. bad that's happened Fuck. in the last three films. He was the <laughs> author of all his pain. Say it properly. It was me, James. I was me all along. The author of all your pain. I've written down here, author of all your pain. Your pain. Because it's... <laughs> your it's, pain. Uh, Hello, yeah. it's me, daughter <laughs> of all your pain, Christopher Wal- Christopher Christoph Waltz, whose impression inevitably becomes Christopher Walken yeah. whenever we try to do it. It's me, <laughs> James, the author of all your pain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, why couldn't we have Christopher Walken as a Bond villain instead? Yeah. We did. It was called View to a Kill, and it's better than this. That's probably not. Maybe it is. Oh. I don't know. I'd probably rank it higher. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, and then it's like, you fi- you think it's finally finished, and then again, there's another half hour, but this time it feels tacked on. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's the exact same thing as Spectre. There's like another half hour after you think the plot is finished. Mm. And then... Uh, this time there's like this chase through london um and there's like these arrows pointing bond to the like end of the film and you're like well it's in it's in the uh now blown up mi6 headquarters which blew up in skyfall this film must take place like three weeks after skyfall it's got such it's it's does not feel like three years have passed like so much of it is yeah i don't think three years are supposed to have passed no yeah yeah i'm not i'm not that's not i'm not criticizing the movie yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) um yeah. yeah so that's the film so yeah uh sam mendes initially said he wasn't going to come back but then he came back yeah <laughs> uh but did you know that uh and i've never said this director's name out loud before nicholas winding reffin i think it's winding nicholas winding reffin was apparently also offered the directing job but turned it down he'd he'd be a good bond director i uh he's a very hit or miss yeah so is bond though yeah he could be yeah like that could be trash (laughs) like i don't think you're ensuring the film is better Hmm. um you know maybe it's just because drive is so clearly influenced by casino royale (laughs) (laughs) so this feels redundant to say at this point but what did you think of this film sorry i was listening to a um uh pronunciation of nicholas winding reffin it is winding um got it right uh what did you ask me (laughs) what do you think of this film uh it's bad it's real bad uh it's just boring and it's like it's it's crazy that it's insane that it's made by the same person that made um skyfall Skyfall. because again it feels like that other franchise with about (laughs) wars and the stars stars, where you have a a director come in and craft this beautiful, eloquent love letter to the franchise to then come back and fuck it up, trying to do the yeah. same thing. Yeah. Yeah. If Quantum of Solace is a hot mess, this film is deliberately offensive. Like, mm. I, I hate this movie in a different way to how I hate most Bond films. <laughs> yeah. A, a, again, similar to my feelings on The Last Jedi and, and Rise of Skywalker, is that it's like, uh, Last Jedi 
uh, I like the ideas, but I just don't like like I just find the execution kind of boring um, and and not fun to watch. Whereas Spectre makes choices I don't like. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I think yeah, it's it's it takes the approach of like systematically rebuilding all which the the all that which of like the last few films had dismantled intentionally. Mm. Like, and it makes me think that um sam mendes had that plan from the start it makes me think <laughs> sam mendes didn't like casino royale right and it took him two films to try and bring it back to square one um which is a, a strange thing to do and just objectively bad storytelling um and it just so happens that skyfall was good like you know yeah. maybe maybe there's a world where the rise of skywalker does exactly the same choices but it's a good film like this, that, yeah. these are the questions that the <laughs> the double hitter of skyfall and specter forced me to ask yeah you know well what I, mean? I think that the thing about specter is uh it's full of good ideas on paper bring back bring back the classic bond villain update him um mm. Blow, blow um but not revealing his true identity till the last 20 minutes of the film and it's and his identity is irrelevant. Yeah. Like, who cares? Um, you know, if we're searching for Blofeld the entire film, you cast Christoph Waltz as the mysterious Franz Oberhauser, and then turns out Ben Whishaw was Blofeld. That's yeah. a reveal. Yeah, yeah. Ben Whishaw playing Q, of course. Or even Andrew Scott's character. And the the mole in MI6. That's that's like a cool idea. Like the, All of these could be really well-executed ideas, but they just picked the worst way to do it. And also, the the whole taking ta- the the movie trying to stay on brand with Daniel Craig's more personal high stakes plot, like mm. the the subject matter, uh, the the way they do that, because I can imagine defenders of this movie would be like, "What are you talking about? It's it's still got those emotional stories." Like, look, uh, you find out that um, all the previous villains were part of Spectre. That's that's personal. You find out that Blofeld and Bond were raised together. They're like de facto siblings. Using that's the same personal. the same twist from fucking um, Goldmember. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the same twist from Gold amazing um and these though both those both those two things are cringy as shit bad on paper ideas yeah um, you know what i mean and, but like also, the fact they get past the scripting stage yeah who's reading that script and going this will translate well to film <laughs> the the one thing i did um love about this film watching it now is that after the reveal that uh, they grew up together and that it was bond's uh it was uh blofeld's father who raised bond he's like um you know all those winters he taught him how to ski and i was like oh my god it's like they acknowledged why bond is good at skiing (laughs) i've been waiting 53 years for this explanation But uh, one example of like a classic, this was a good idea, you executed it horribly, is just even in the lines of dialogue, there's one exchange that could be like the best fucking moment in this film, if not the entire franchise. So um, M, Mallory, is um, Ray, Ray Fine's character, is facing and proving what a badass he is essentially to, oh, um, to I'm see. I'm so glad you remembered to bring this up. 
who's Andrew Scott's um, character, who's the mole. And so, um, so, 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 sorry, just a bit more context. C has just shut down the double O program. Yeah. Like he essentially came in to shake things up, decided the double O program uh, is no longer necessary in a world of drones um, and that sort of thing. And yeah. decided to shut down the double O program, and then you find out he's actually working for Blofeld. Yeah, and so um, so it's M and C are the characters' names, and mm-hmm. so um, he says uh, M says something, and then um, Mallory uh, C <laughs> getting confusing, and then C says, "Oh, well, you're just a moron, isn't that what M stands for, moron?" And he goes to shoot him, and then M reveals that he's holding all the all the bullets from his gun and he says well i guess we know what the c stands for careless and it's like oh my god you you like that like the, if this if that had been like um yo you're a moron oh that's what the m stands for isn't it bang and he goes well we know what the c stands for and it's implied that he means the c word yeah um but then in fact he's careless it's like you had a great joke you just added two words to it and made it bad it's a very casino royale-esque joke isn't it it's it's mm. the same as saying you scratch my balls in a james bond movie yeah. if they imply that mallory is saying the c word the worst word in a, <laughs> in a james bond movie that i would have liked that like that's the yeah. cheekiness that i welcomed in casino royale yeah. but then he goes carelessness which isn't just like taking away what the line could have been everyone who watched this movie thought he was meaning cunt and so you've made it you've made it not cool now yeah you know what i mean like you've made it like someone's someone's mum did a pass on the script (laughs) yeah like someone's mum was like i i'm gonna have to write careless here because i don't like what this implies well yeah yeah and someone's mum read it and was like what does he mean (laughs) see and they didn't want to tell her yeah yeah, oh it means careless mum she's like well write it in and he's like all right (laughs) 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 um so i i can't tell you richard how little i want to see a run-of-the-mill bond movie in in this day and age Mm. um and it's this and if if the the if there was ever a more uh symbolic gesture that sam mendes could do to prove how much he disproves of the tracks that's that casino royale set up for bond to be an interesting franchise for the first time in half a fucking century (laughs) um it starts with the gun barrel sequence it's the only daniel craig movie to open with the gun barrel sequence and it breaks your heart you know (laughs) like from the the first thing you see is the gun barrel sequence and it's it's like such a it's a wordless way of saying i am going to remove all the creative ways that the other movies breathed life into the series (laughs) (laughs) yeah also like it's 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 a cowardly movie I'll say yeah, it. Yeah, man. Um, like, so the, now we know what the C stands for. Cowardly. Cunt. Oh. oh. Um, <laughs> it's a real cunt of a movie. Um, <laughs> so, it is! <laughs> <laughs> there's a bit at the end um, where when he's uh, Bond is being tortured by Blofeld. And it's this, like, again, similar to Casino Royale, it's like all this real, like, make you squirm kind of torture he's where getting he has like this, a like, drill pushed into yeah, it's his... like a micro like drill and it's like getting pushed into his neck and his and his cheek and it's um and and blofeld's explaining what it's going to do it's like it's essentially like se- severing um 
connections in his brain that will fuck up his like speech and language centers and and his um sense of balance and all this stuff and he and it's like oh my god how is he going to get out of this one he just has it done to himself to him and then nothing happens he he suffers no ill effects from it so he goes he says i'm about to push this into your neck and it'll uh it'll disrupt the part of your brain that recognizes faces so Mm. um dr swan who's the the bond girl you won't recognize her anymore so he pushes it in here and to the movie's credit um blofeld is trying to find where this point is so i guess he misses when he tries (laughs) to because then then dr swan comes over and like hugs him and he's like she's like you still recognize me and he says some suave line like you know i i would i would i would never not recognize you (laughs) it's it's like a cool version of or an attempt at a cool version of that line um and then the way he gets out of the chair is he just has a watch that explodes it's one of the gadgets he got from q and he tells dr swan all of this while she's an inch away from his face while blofeld and his henchmen are just sitting at the computer watching these two people they cannot trust quietly whisper to each other yeah and she takes something spies. out of his hand yeah 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 she takes the watch out and then he goes time flies and he th- she throws oh, the watch God. but he, she, he, she doesn't throw the watch so that it flies she skits it across the ground <laughs> so the, the pun is lost which i'm sure bond had a word to her about later he was like listen it would have really driven home the point if you'd actually thrown the watch since i had said time flies she skids it across the ground and blofeld just kind of curiously looks at it before it explodes and it's like you are you allowed them to talk for so long without interrupting. One minute, you, you <laughs> saw like, them. Yeah, it's literally yeah. a minute. You saw that. You saw her throw an object towards you, Richard. If I'm Blofeld, I'm either retaliating or I'm getting out of the room. You, if someone throws something at me, whether I'm a supervillain torturing someone or not, I'm gonna like back away from it because I'm mm. scared, right? Like he just kind of curiously looks at it and it fucks up his eyes. Like, well, it's kind of his fault frankly Mm. (laughs) it's such a strange scene um and richard the last thing i want to talk about um with specter today is a a woeful return to problematic corner because we end where we begin (laughs) richard (laughs) and while the most alarming shit that goes down in this film is bond once again without really asking pushing himself upon a recently um uh, in this case it's a recently widowed monica bellucci who i wrote as belushi when i was writing Mm. this and i thought that was pretty funny um Um, there was a big big um like a lot of press about this about having like an older bond woman who's essentially the same age as bond or slightly older even um but it's just some random woman he seduces on the day of her husband's funeral (laughs) yeah and she probably gets killed i can't remember um and it and it's monica bellucci as well who's like a named actress and yeah she's barely in it and like because it was huge that it was like monica bellucci's in the film um there's like an older bond woman like look at all you over 40 woman there's still a place for you in hollywood like that was actually what it was like it was the same as like the the um the gay representation in rise of skywalker Mm. like it was it was huge before this film came out yeah and then Um, this is what we got and while that scene is like the most problematic in terms of like consent and stuff, uh, I am so enraged by Leah Sadu's uh, Dr. Madeline Swan in this movie. Really? Um, she tells Bond right to his face that she's not interested in him 
and will kill him if if he comes near her. Mm. Right? They he like he's reluctantly rescuing her, um, and they're kind of fate fate forces them together, and he kind of like tries to to lay on the, the charm, and she's like, "If you come near me, I'll kill you." Uh, and then like fifteen minutes later, they hook up, and for she falls in love with him. <laughs> She literally, the words are said, I'm in love with you um, when he's being tortured. And despite, there's no change in their dynamic. The only thing that changes between when she says, um, I'll kill you if you come near me, and when she hooks up with him, is they fight uh, Dave Batista's character, whose name is Mr. Hicks. Oh, yeah, we need to talk about him. (laughs) Yeah, with his metal fingernails. Yeah, Um, you know what's cooler than metal teeth? Metal (laughs) fingernails. So they, they defeat mr hinks but they've defeated villains together before that scene mm. like they met defeating villains together <laughs> and that like if, if it was some kind of animalistic like we survived this life-threatening thing together and that's why i've got this attraction to you okay maybe but yeah. nothing changes about who they are to each other but because bo- it's a bond movie and because sam mendes can't write female characters unless they're outside of the hero's age range such yeah. as m but if you've seen american beauty Maybe he can't do that either. Um, that was my American Beauty joke. Um, and also, Leah Sadu was like, thank you. Leah Sadu was like 20 years younger than Daniel Craig anyway. So that is arguably also outside of the um, age range. Just fate dictates they must be together. And the movie is ballsy enough to claim it's a love story. And it's mm-hmm. doing this after we watch a tragic, foreboding, tender love story unfold with Vesper in Casino Royale. Like, if Vesper, if that storyline hadn't happened, if we never had Casino Royale, I'd kind of accept the reality that the Bond movies take place in a world where people just fall in love at the drop of a hat. But Mm. we've seen, we've got a direct comparison to the slow-burning love story with Bond and Vesper, and it try it's I'm so I'm I'm borderline angry that she's in no time to die because I just do not believe their yeah. relationship at all. It is laughable that that they fall in love in this movie. Mm. Like if they didn't fall, if they're just you know using each other, cool. I know the game. I've been here a hundred times. Um, as in watching movies about this, not experiencing <laughs> it myself. But they want it to be a love story because it's like no, look, Bond's feminist now. He doesn't just sleep with women. He falls in love with them. He makes their dads commit suicide first. Yeah, it's, it's literally, she is Mr. White's daughter. Mr. White is the character that in, at the end of Casino Royale and sort of the, the overarching villain in Quantum of Solace. It's his daughter. Mm. And that's, he makes, he, well, he doesn't make him kill himself, but he gives him the gun because he's like already in a pretty shit state and he kills himself. Um, which then that tape of him killing himself is shown to uh, to Dr. Swan and then she still <laughs> falls in love. She's still in love with him. So I don't know. It is it is pitiful writing. It is pitiful <laughs> character writing. It's so bad. Um, one fun thing of this movie, though, I don't know if you know, and this might be a segue into talking about titles, um, but uh, they go to an antique shop called um, Hildebrand um, Antiques mm. and Rarities. Mm, yeah, the Hildebrand Rarity is, of course, an unused Ian Fleming James Bond title, a video I've made that I'll, that has been in the show notes of every Bond episode we've got. So go check that out if you want to see <laughs> a video I made. Um, do you want to talk about titles? I would love to. So we haven't we haven't talked about No Time to Die really at all because it hasn't come out, but 
basic information it's directed by carrie joji fukunaga it was going to be directed by danny boyle but he he was replaced by fukunaga who directed um true detective season one a show called maniac and a, a idris alba film called beasts of no nation mm-hmm. um and the other thing i wrote down was and like he also um he was originally signed on to do it Yes, he was. Yep. Um, the other thing I wrote down is Daniel Craig by this point was very vocal about not wanting to return as the character, speaking out, saying that James Bond is a misogynist, saying that uh, he would rather have his balls dragged through glass than play Bond again. Yeah, he'd rather slit his wrists. Yeah, but then they they convinced him to come back for No Aww, Time to Die. Poor Jane, poor Daniel Craig having to play one of the most looked up to characters in <laughs> in fiction. Oh, and getting paid millions of dollars. Oh, Jenny Quaig, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm looking forward to No Time to Die. I think uh, the director excites me and I think it could be good, but it could also be bad. Um, yeah. I mean, it's long. Yes, it is long. Um, do you see, actually today, this uh, a, a hint to when this was recorded, um, uh, Kerry Fukunaga said, um, was asked if they'll take the delay to re-edit it and he said, no, nah, it's great as is. So it's just sitting on a shelf completed. They're not touching it anymore. God, we could just have it. They could just give it to us. <laughs> if we were a big enough podcast, they'd give it to us. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about titles. Um, so what do you have any thoughts of stray <laughs> musings okay. about the titles? Um, I'll go through them one by one. Casino Royale is dope. Uh, Quantum of Solace is just makes you go, huh? It's pretentious. Um, yeah, yeah, it's pretentious. Skyfall is, um, it, it's cool. It, it's it's similar to like, you know, your, your one word titles. Spectre is the worst title of the entire franchise. You reckon? Yeah, I reckon 100%. Quantum of Solace is worse than Spectre. Um, Quantum of Solace at least sounds like cool and mysterious. Spectre's just like, what was that thing from 50 years ago? Ah, fuck, right. I just call it that. Right. Well, uh, as is the way I have categorized all these titles, so if you have been listening to the past episodes, Bond episodes, um, the four kind of categories for Bond titles that I, I kind of delineated are poetic, mysterious turns of phrase which communicate a key idea or piece of imagery from the film, uh, literally just the name of the character or a prominent event in the film, but not of, often but not always adjective plus noun, uh, broad titles you could give to literally any of the films in the series, and ominous phrases which don't really refer to anything specific in the film itself now casino royale skyfall and specter are all just name of a setting or thing in the movie uh in skyfall's case it's adjective plus noun uh quantum of solace is a poetic or mysterious turn of phrase which communicates a key piece of imagery because quantum is the name of the organization and no time to die i think is an ominous phrase which doesn't really refer to anything specific in the film itself Mm. i haven't seen it uh there are rumors and i i don't think this is is this a spoiler because this is a rumor yeah let's let's go for it there is a there is a theory out there that the Bond villain in No Time to Die, who is being played by um Rami Malek, Rami Malek, is going to be Doctor No. If it is Doctor No, then No Time to Die would be um a poetic, mysterious turn of phrase. Which Imagine if like the end credit idea. or like um it's revealed in like the opening scene that he's doctor no and then no time to die comes up and then before the word no it says doctor and then they add punctuation so it's like doctor no time to die <laughs> yeah yeah because then it's no time to die which means the character dies at the end um cool 
Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about Daniel Craig as James Bond, Richard. Mm. Um, because I don't know if I'd say he's the best Bond or necessarily my favorite Bond. He certainly has my favorite movies and I enjoy the character and I care about the character. And we've given uh, superlatives to all the mm-hmm. other Bond movies, Bond Bond actors before. Um, and a lot of commentators have already kind of done this as well. A lot of people say Daniel Craig is the broken Bond or the grounded Ooh. Bond or Broke the flawed Bond. Bond. The, the what? Brokeback Bond. Brokeback Bond. Uh, but I think these all really just are different ways of describing a, a more of a metatextual idea for mm. what kind of Bond he is. And Richard, I submit to you that Daniel Craig is the filmmaker's Bond. Oh, okay. Explain. Because if, if you look at who's directed Bond movies up until Casino Royale, you either have guns for hire like um, Robert Spottiswood who d- directed Tomorrow Never Dies and Stop or My Mum Will Shoot. Like imagine if like the director of Fist Fight is directing No Time to Die. You'd be like <laughs> what the fuck? Um, or you have the old school guys like Terrence Young, Guy Hamilton, Lewis Gilbert, Gilbert or John Glenn who were mainly only known for directing Bond movies. Mm. Like they're not they're not, they weren't good directors in their own right. They were the Bond directors. Um, and while, look, Martin Campbell, director of Casino Royale, or Mark Forster, who directed Quantum of Solace, they aren't exactly household names, but I think they sort of turned Bond into a character that attracted the likes um, of Sam Mendes or Roger Deakins um, mm. or Danny Boyle, who was attached to No Time to Die uh, before Carrie Joji Fukunaga replaced him. And... Danny Boyle left because of creative differences, which you could say is kind of like against this theory. But Carrie Joji Fukunaga is a very experimental director whose mm. body of work is probably more challenging than Danny Boyle's. Yeah. So, and yeah. Um, we have to keep in mind as well that, like, even Mark Forster, who, you know, would go on to make world war z and christopher robin films we didn't mm. really like he to making quantum of solace he was just coming off the back of finding neverland and mm. monsters ball and the kite runner yeah. yeah yeah so it's like he was pretty pretty well respected Did he in do 2008. monsters ball i had no idea yeah so i think in like the sean connery days bond films were probably looked down upon by like true film buffs the same way like the marvel cinematic universe is looked down upon by Mm. the same types of people but just like the mcu i think we're starting to see a little more acclaim come to the series it's like at one best original song for skyfall and writings on the wall from spectre um and live and let die did win but that's like a blip in in an otherwise pretty cold and lonely Mm. um academy career for the james bond franchise um where they've they'd won a few technical awards that nobody cares about so yeah well although fun fact um skyfall is part of one uh oscar rarity where it actually tied for um one of the sound awards with zero dark 30 there you go uh so i think though that um it's a combination of casino royale being so goddamn good and esteemed directors who grew up watching Bond films now having the chance to helm their own films in the series and using the storytelling skills which they um, actually crafted on good and better films than the Mm. old school Bond movies to make clearly superior films with the Daniel Craig movies. And while we're always bound to have missteps like we do with Spectre, I think if we continue to see like smart and exciting directors step up to the 007 plate, it's only a matter of time before these films start getting nominated for Best Picture. Mm. You know, and I, I just, I think, I think he's the filmmaker's Bond because 
now these are event prestige films. Yeah, I think especially with something like No Time to Die, it's got a pretty good chance when it's only one of only 10 movies to come out this year. <laughs> That's very true. That is very true. Um, another superlative I just thought of for James Bond is um, he's kind of, he's James Bond in 3D. Um, How so? And, and that the, he's the first time the character's had a third dimension to him. <laughs> he's the he's the he's there's another superlative I've thought of where he's um the blonde Bond. That's not even the music for the, the podvids, which that'll be. Um, but that's funny still. I realised you were making a podcast joke and not a podvid mm. joke. Yeah, Very I'm, different I'm more things. Of an audio um, <laughs> based. Boy. So let's talk about theme songs, Richard. Yeah, let's do a it. A very exciting segment. So uh every James Bond film has a has a theme song attached to it, um, and also an opening sequence with in which the theme song plays. So Casino Royale has a little song, Richard, called You Know My Name by a guy, a little guy named <laughs> Chris Cornell. Now, what do you think of this song? <laughs> Um, I fucking love this song, man. This is one of my favorite songs in the world. <laughs> I love this song so much. Um, and I've been holding on to this for what is like six to ten weeks. We've been doing this. Um, is that at the time of recording, um, Chris Cornell uh, is the only Bond theme song singer who has passed away. Um. Right. Which is crazy when, you know, people were singing these songs in the 60s and it's the one from 2006 that's passed away. Mm. Um, And so hopefully that doesn't become incorrect by the time. Because, like, you know, it was a close call with um, Honor Blackman. um, (laughs) In in the realm of um, what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, man, I I love the song so much. It's such like a... um, It's just, like, bombastic. It's here he fucking is. Here we're going to fucking have some this is gonna be a good movie it's very it's it's an announcement i need to we've sung every song so far so i'm gonna have to do this one okay okay it goes like the coldest blood runs through my veins you know my name i love i love the horns at the start of this so like we said the the gun barrel sequence turns into this and it's like bang it's so good um but yeah I, I just i love how like um it harkens back to the second half of live and let die the song <laughs> where it's like do 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 um but uh, like right. i i really like i understand that a lot of people find uh shirley bassey synonymous with bond um and that what a bond theme should sound like but i love the like rocky um, even like the man with the golden gun, a view to a kill is kind of that, um, the, the excitement of it. So um, I, I don't talk about this too much on, on Cole Popshire, but I love lyrics. I love song lyrics. I find them the, one of the most, probably the, the thing I enjoy most about songs. And I'd like to share, which you'll know these lyrics, but just for the sake mm. of content, I'd like to share some of my favorite lyrics from You Know My Name, because I yeah. genuinely love this song. Um uh, I've seen angels fall from blinding heights, but you yourself are nothing so divine. Just next in line. Fuck. 
<laughs> so cool. Uh, arm yourself because no one else is here to save you. The odds will betray you and I will replace you. You can't deny the prize. It may never fulfill you. It longs to kill you. Are you willing to die? Um, let me find some more. Um, because so uh, we've had Bond themes that are just like a description of the villain. We've had ones that are just a description of Bond. The common theory about this one is that this is M singing to Bond. Do you reckon? Have you heard that? No. Because if you read like like things like, um, because where it takes place in the film or like in Bond's timeline, it's very like, you have to prove yourself. You're not like mm. any anyone. Um, and yeah. it's all like, I will replace you. You're like, you're just next yeah. in line. You need to check your ego if yeah. you're going to have the double O status. Oh my God. I've seen diamonds cut through harder men. But you, then you yourself, but if you must pretend, you may meet your end. Um, oh, fuck, it's cool. It's so cool. Yeah, and also, like, I love how it uses things like uh, diamonds and um, yeah. odds the, and things like that. It's the coolest that. opening sequence. I need to make an addendum. Last On the last Bond episode, I said that the Die Another Day opening sequence is my favorite opening sequence, and Jeremy chewed me out for it because it's also very lame. And yes, <laughs> you're, you're right. It's not. It, I think it's more the idea of that opening sequence yeah, yeah, was yeah. my favorite one. Um, yeah, but, like, th- this one's all like uh yeah it's graphics it's using the because it's it's the song doesn't contain the words casino royale it's not called mm. casino royale um but it's just it, it evokes imagery of a casino it's the casino bond yeah yeah last last lyric i love here um and if you think you've won you never saw me change the game that we've all been playing mm. <sighs> so cool so cool also just cheating as well mm. You haven't won either if you change the fucking game. <laughs> yeah, and also, and like Chris Cornell is or was one of the all-time greatest vocalists. Mm. Um, and it's also interesting because I, to me, this is so obviously the best one. Yeah, um, this is S tier. Yeah. <laughs> if we're doing tier like much like Casino Royale, yeah. uh, I wouldn't say this is the only good one, but to me, it's like by far the best one. Um, this is so frequently ranked. Um, in the bottom couple, if not the worst, there's um if you if you search Bond theme ranking, the first result has this at, at tw- number twenty five. Yeah, but these are the same people who think that Sean Connery was a good actor. Yeah, do you know, actually, <laughs> and that his Bond was I, a good. In character. the last week, I watched a bunch of um videos ranking Bond actors. I couldn't find a single one that didn't put Sean Connery at number one. Insane. He's the worst one. Fuck mm. him. Fuck Sean Connery's character. Fuck him as a person. Yeah. <laughs> all right so quantum of solace had uh the song another way to die by jack white and alicia keys which is like look in your eye it's just another way to die so this um, is an interesting one because you really like this one don't you i th- okay it's a song that's as weird as the movie it's accompanied. That's the thing, yeah. It's, it's as messy as the film it's in. Um, it's a strange is, song. A shout out to Jess. This is her favorite um, Bond theme. And she'll often, we have an Alexa, uh, which is connected to my Spotify, so she can say, Alexa, play Another Way to Die. And then I can change it to, off from my phone, change it to um, You Know My Name, which has happened <laughs> multiple times, even when I've not been at home and she's, I've seen she's listening to it, and I'll change it to You Know My Name. Um <laughs> But I, it, it's it's just such a weird, messy song. Jack White and Alicia Keys don't go together. I think, um, I I love both of these artists. I think Alicia Keys is a 
perfect choice for mm. a Bond theme for an update of the sings, Shirley Bassey. Shoot 'em up, bang bang, and it's like what? <laughs> yeah, and it's like it's just two artists that don't go together. Um, trying to find the midway point of two genres that don't mix. It's the first duet in Bond history. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I, I think there's a reason we haven't seen another one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Mark Ronson and Amy Winehouse apparently recorded a demo for the film. I don't know if it was another way to die, but apparently Winehouse was not in the best shape at the time. Yeah, so I, I think a Winehouse would have been, again, she would have been perfect for a Bond theme. Yeah. Um, you Know I'm No Good would make a perfect Bond theme. Nice. Uh, and one of uh, what I think is one of the more interesting rejected uh, Bond songs mm. was there's actually a Shirley Bassey Quantum of Solace song called No Good About Goodbye, which is a real cool song um the 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 chorus is like no solace in a kiss no comfort in a sigh no good about goodbye uh and i think it's a real cool song but it's quantum of solace is such a strange movie it it mm. deserves a strange bond yeah. song it's it's not on brand with the rest of quantum of solace yeah so skyfall had probably one of the more defining songs yeah. of the 21st century in pop culture with skyfall by adele uh yeah. you have a very complicated relationship okay with song. so i want to breeze through talking about the next three songs <laughs> skyfall okay. writings on the wall from specter by sam smith and no time to die by billy eilish um they're the same song they're, they're the exact same song. I cannot believe that no one else has pointed this out, that they're the same. So Skyfall goes, um, And the Skyfall, let it come up. We will stand tall and face it all together. And then um, <laughs> writings on the wall goes, How do I live? How do I breathe? And then No Time to Die goes, For once for me twice it's the same thing yeah uh, admittedly skyfall is a little bit different it's more the other two that are like identical um well skyfall, it's, it's writings on the wall as a copy of skyfall and no time to die as a copy, copy of, of writings on the wall yeah. um so skyfall everyone fell in love with this song like this song transcended the film won the the oscar for best song everyone was listening to it all the time i i've only listened to this song all the way through twice and it's both times I saw the film. I've tried to. I've I've tried and the, to and like the, the film song. adapts the song slightly. I've, <laughs> I've tried to listen to it. I've tried to, and it's it's just these these songs are just boring. I'm sorry, and, but they are. Like Skyfall is the best of the three. Um, yeah, and in in context, it works so well. the The shot of um, Daniel Craig falling into the water and then being taken away, and then we mm. and then we fade into the song, and it it's has cool this underwater sequence. floaty kind of vibe to it. Um, and it works well. And also, and, the the movie is about someone's world falling apart. Exactly. So um, yeah, and then like, and and Adele is maybe the best ever merging of the biggest artist in the world and Bond. Like she she's perfect for Bond Bond theme song, and she also happened to be the most bankable musician at the time. Yeah. Um, and then you bring in Sam Smith, who uh, famously said that they wrote this, they did the song once and wrote it in an afternoon. Um, and I, I actually I, I've listened to writings on the wall on its own more times but in the film and uh the the graphics the like the the motion the fucking the, the, opening, the opening sequence it just suck they 
they they don't work where they are in the film and they don't work together it's all this like octopodo octopodes um which is all, the plural of octopus yeah. <laughs> um like uh yeah it's, it's very octopus themed because the specter logo is an octopus um and then the song doesn't work with it. And then I haven't seen the No Time to Die one, obviously. But the song, I was like, I was I was live tweeting, not tweeting, but I was live messaging you my reaction while listening to it. And I was like, oh my God, this is so... The only reason I made it to the end of the song was because I was messaging you about it. It finally does pick up a little bit right at the end. But my God, I, I, I barely made it to that. And... Like I know you're a big Billie Eilish stan, and I I kind of don't get Billie Eilish. I, I like I think my main thing about her is that I don't like her style of singing, um, just kind of mumbly. I can't imagine, and I'm sure like she does concerts, so I'm sure it happens. But I can't imagine going to a concert of hers and belting out one of my favorite songs of hers, which is what I like to do. I love to sing along to songs, and mm. I feel like I can't do that with Billie Eilish. Um, but so yeah, so uh, yeah, I think. I I do like Billie Eilish, and um, while like her most famous song "Bad Guy" is maybe not the best thing to be like, imagine if a Bond song sounded like this, which I still would have probably preferred to the, what No Time to Die eventually was. She does have a song called "Bury a Friend," mm. um, which is real fucking cool, and that could be a Bond song. And mm. again, it'd be kind of a left turn and a and a brave choice. The main problem musically is that Skyfall writings on the wall and No Time to Die are all are all ballads. Whereas- yeah well it's just like yeah and um I, I don't want every like bond now when people go what does a bond theme sound like it used to be live and let die or um diamonds are forever would be like your go-tos mm. um in terms of like two sides of the same coin but they both sound like bond and now it's like oh bond songs sound like this yeah, they do. and it's like I, I I sincerely hope that the next Bond theme we get does not sound like that. Yeah. Like, I, I will be so, so, so gravely disappointed if the next Bond theme is just some swoony kind of ballad about mm. how troubled Bond is. Like, when this when this new Bond came in, we were so excited this is this is everything we've been wanting from the franchise but now i'm kind of like oh, is no time to die just going to be another moody bond film mm. where um you know the, where this theme song that we've already heard fits it because i don't know if i want to sit through that for two hours and 40 minutes yeah yeah um i would actually rank them in order of release i've decided uh, which is somewhat controversial to say another way to die is a better song than Skyfall. But I just enjoy, I'm so perplexed every, I have an mm. experience every time I listen to another way to die where I'm like, what the fuck is, is the song that I enjoy it more than Skyfall. And, yeah. Writings on the Wall is famously shed upon as being vastly inferior to Skyfall. But I'm like, does no one realize they're identical? Well, Writings on the Wall, first of all, Writings is, on the that Wall. That is why people hate it. Writings on the Wall is a terrible song title. It's it's writing apostrophe s on the wall, right? Not the not writing is on the wall. It's it just looks shit in a this movie that's supposed to be about classy espionage. Um, <laughs> and while yes, I do not think it's I do not like the song. I deeply enjoy singing it. I have a that's wonderful the thing. I think that's yeah. Like <laughs> I have I have a wonderful memory of when I was living in Auckland um, before we had 
start of the podcast, I was living in um, kind of a middle of nowhere town. And I remember Skyping my friends, my friend Andre in Christchurch. And he'd just be like, hey, bro. And I'd be like, what? He'd be like, I love you. And then he'd play it and be like, <laughs> and just being like, how can I live? How can I breathe? When you're not here, I'm suffocating. It's such an achievable but good sounding note for me that I enjoy yeah. singing it because I think I sound well, like a good singer. But th- like that's the thing, and th- I I don't know how no one else has pointed this out, but like if I go, <clears throat> <laughs> like that's that. Which song is yeah. that? Yeah, fool me once, fool it's me the twice. Same thing. Oh it's God. the same thing. It's insane. <laughs> so. There were some famously uh, a few rejected songs for Spectre as well. Um, there was uh, Spectre by Radiohead. Have you heard mm. that? Yeah. Which yeah. is like the Spectre of Mavidabu. Um And 24 by Lana Del Rey, which I didn't find out until recently was made for Spectre because everyone's always like, oh, Lana Del Rey should do a Bond theme. She did. It's called 24. It's all right. I, it goes like, um, there's only 24 hours. <laughs> Because this was Spectre's Bond 24, right? Bond 24, yeah. which is a, is a cool idea for yeah. what to base a song around. Um, it's all right. I think I'm not convinced. I'm even not convinced the Radiohead one is better suited to the movie. It's a better mm. song. I don't yeah, know. It was, it was rejected for being too, too depressing, right? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, sorry. Yeah, they, they had two songs rejected. The first one was rejected because they'd already written it and they didn't want to miss and out it, on the Oscar. Yeah, it wouldn't qualify, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I agree with everything you've said about the songs. <laughs> but man, how fucking good is You Know My Name? <laughs> it's so fucking good, man. You can't deny the prize, it may never fulfill you. <laughs> they long, like that, that song has a story arc in it. Mm. You know what I mean? Well, it's and also, not just... like, and, um, Chris Cornell was my idol in 2006. Yeah, yeah. I remember starting high school and, and telling everyone about how amazing Chris Cornell was. And yeah. that like, Oh, man and and it, like to then have him come out with a new song and it then it happened to be a bond song i was so excited it's such a fucking cool song yeah and it ends with you know my name! <laughs> and, and while while bond is like walking towards the camera and, and like the kind of like playing card style silhouette but mm. then like there's a peak of his actual eyes in the light oh. it's good stuff yeah man it's a good song man i've enjoyed I've enjoyed struggling through this with you. Buddy. I've enjoyed the time I've spent with you, my my friend. Yeah. Um, but I have not enjoyed these films, and I'm so happy to be at the end of them. Like we wanted, to, I wanted to, the, to record this last night. <laughs> um, yeah. But then, like other things came up, and I was so pissed off. I had to wait a day <laughs> <laughs> to, to like to keep thinking about this franchise and to to prep the almost two hours worth of of content i didn't pre- prepare anything um yeah but it must I, be I, I real be... hard for you to prep <laughs> i've written, written ten thousand words about the bond franchise i would happily never watch another bond film in my life never say never again dude justin mm. Bieber. but like well, I, honestly yeah continue luckily it's all over now richard because we've we're actually on to what is our third to last segment but the last two are pretty short <laughs> so, <laughs> um so this is continue the franchise where we're going to pitch um sequels or or continue the franchise in some fun way a little fun creative writing exercise we drop at the end of film franchise four nights uh so regarding the actual future of james bond um we don't know much beyond uh no time to die though i i think everyone 
is prepared for something pretty drastic to happen for the next mm. generation of Bond. I think it's interesting that for the first time in the character's history, people mostly agree that casting another handsome white man is like the least interesting thing, the mm. least exciting thing they could do. Um, my somewhat genuine prediction for this week's Continue the Franchise um, is either that there will be a dramatic shift in tone where it'll be less about who is cast and more about what is the next film. So people have been talking years about a younger Bond, um, a 1960s period piece, um, a whimsical Roger Morian throwback like Kingsman or some other fourth direction that I can't think of. Um, 2060s. Oh, future Bond. So that's definitely a way they could go if they don't want to keep doing the grounded um, muck in the mud kind of bond. What I think will happen, though, Hmm. and this is bold, I think despite No Time to Die being the title, I think James Bond will find time to die in No Time to Die. Yeah, I, I, I am anticipating the same thing, kind of. I think he needs a redemptive death. I think you can do it in a way similar to, spoilers for Avengers Endgame, how Tony Stark's death was actually quite, um, it was quite touching for the character. Mm. Like it didn't feel like his, it felt it was his character arc being wrapped up. So, and I'd I'd like to see that for 007. And I would like personally, I think it would be interesting for the 007 mantle to then be carried forth uh, with Lashana Lynch's Nomi. That's her character's name. She is in No Time to Die. You Nomi name. <laughs> All right stop recording (laughs) so one of the only things we know about no time to die is that nomi is playing um nomi is the new 007 Mm, Um, because bond had retired or something yeah something like that and i think um you can keep the 007 moniker and the world that's already been built you can keep ralph fines as m you can keep ben wishaw as q and um uh uh money penny as um money penny What's the actress's name? Uh, uh, what is her name? Naomi Harris. Naomi Harris. And you can you can keep Naomi Harris as Money Penny and just have Naomi Lashana Lynch play the spy. It's a bold choice because she's a black woman, uh, which also feels I feel like that makes me think it'll happen more because of hmm. studios wanting to uh, uh, be diverse, which is a good thing to be diverse, but a studio doing it for money is yeah. somewhat. I, I think um, we could uh, get like spin-offs coming out of this because um, there are, there's there is already the Money Penny Diaries, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is that <laughs> exists. It exists. The book a book series. Right? Yeah, um, but I I think yeah I I'm inclined to agree that I think there'll be a sense of finality finality to this one for James Bond and that we won't mm. see a a man playing 007 James Bond for maybe you know up to 10 years maybe but there will be films set in this universe we will still see right. Q and Ray Fiennes mm. um yeah. in in these in these roles I reckon just do it. Just make they're still called 007. That's officially the name of the series. This 007. Yeah, it's the Twitter handle. Du- yeah yeah exactly and if 007 is lashana lynch do it for a few movies the first one will be real explosive and people will go see it and people and will it, people will trash on it online sure but they'll want they want that to happen that's yeah. what gets butts and seats and all press is good press when it yeah and when it's run its course just 
ring up Martin Campbell and reboot the series with James Bond again. Mm. Just fucking do it. Who cares? Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> like, you're going to recast him anyway. Whatever. Um, and I don't think James... I don't think there should be a female James Bond. Yes, yeah, neither does Barbara Broccoli. Which, which is and, which and, is a person's last name. Yeah, that's the producer of the series. And I don't say that as someone who thinks you shouldn't have a female Doctor Who. I think Doctor Who is a perfect character to have a female um, come in for... What for, about Ghostbusters? The, the next generation. Sure. <laughs> no. I think, <laughs> I think that's James, Bond, <laughs> James Bond's character specifically is so entrenched in being a man that well i i barbara broccoli's view is that like just let's just make new characters agreed agreed like like it's it's dumb to be like oh let's let's give all the the male characters to women it's like make good woman characters yeah and there is precedent for this within barbara broccoli's own career because she wanted to do a um spin-off for the female uh, main characters in Tomorrow Never Dies and Die Another Day, but they were hmm. rejected. So maybe this is just her chance in the world. I don't think the world was ready for it in um, 1995 when they first talked about doing something like this. I think now it's like, as I said before, if if it comes out that like another white British man is James Bond, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like this is this is your chance to shine. <laughs> this is your chance to do something different that it feels kind of like people actually want well i th- yeah. i i think there is still a quite a good chance that it will just be like michael fassbender and um but but there'll be something fun about the movie it'll be yeah that, um, that, christopher yeah, like nolan Fassbender will direct it you know yeah, yeah like there'll be something big that that changes everything so is that is that your con- con- continue the franchise uh yeah well i think i had kind of the same one that i think bond should die at the end of no time to die Hmm. cool well richard let's very quickly rank that franchise um Mm. we have a letterboxd account letterboxd.com slash colpopter slash list slash fff dash ranking go check it out (laughs) (laughs) where we've ranked every franchise we've ever watched um denoted by the first film in each franchise so we've got casino royale here now if i may be so bold richard Mm -hmm. I think I w- I was like, what's the highest I'm willing? Like, how much do I love Casino Royale? And we've ranked the other the other Bond movies relatively low. Um, none of them are in the top ten. Yeah. Um, and I don't think Daniel Craig is in the top ten either. But I do think he's eleventh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think I think Daniel Craig's James Bond should go between Mad Max and The Evil Dead as a franchise. Sure. Does that sound? You have I'll to allow, agree. I'll allow you it. can't just be ambivalent. So it's it's number eleven. Okay. Um, if they were all as good as Skyfall, at least I'd probably bump it up to like top five. Yeah. To be honest, but yeah. it's got one of the best movies ever made, one of the best movies of its franchise, and then two, whatever movies in yeah. there as well. Cool. So it's number eleventh between Mad Max and The Evil Dead. It's not as funny when it's it's funnier when like Sean Connery's between sisterhood of the traveling pants and earbud that's that's such a funny oh my god (laughs) richard we now have to um dust off franchise roulette or should i say franchise poker no franchise roulette 
Um, Franchise blackjack. A long, a long fucking time ago, Richard. The way we decided what the next episode of Film Franchise Fortnites would be about would be we'd randomly select it from a franchise list that we have of uh, what it currently has um, 181 franchises listed on it. Uh, and we'd get a random number generator and we'd draw a number and that would be the next franchise we cover in a fortnight's time and we haven't done it for so long and it's like one of my favorite parts about mm. the podcast and we've just had to watch these dumb james bond do you want to know the last when would you assume the last time we did franchise roulette was god yeah it would be so it was before santa claus it was before harold and kumar was that it? What was the one before Harold and Cooper? Uh I'll tell you, when the last time we did it was Robocop. Wow. August last year. And what was the one we landed on? Robocop. Oh, sorry. So Robocop <laughs> was decided after which episode? Fast and Furious. So Fast and Furious was the last time we did franchise, franchise really, yeah. Holy shit. That's so long ago. Yeah. Do you know, not to get into details, and you'll know, my life has changed so much. <laughs> That's insane. That's the last time we'd have franchise roulette. My goodness. Because it's either franchise roulette or we let the patrons decide. Mm. But then our off weeks since then, so our what would normally be full franchise, um, franchise roulettes. Um, after Spy Kids, we did Machete. And then after Jaws, uh, we did our Freaky Fan Fiasco. And then after mm. that, we did Sex of the City. And then... it's It stopped being a way that we genuinely find the next franchise to watch and just what to do if nothing else is planned mm. but it's always a treat for you and me this is this is daddy and daddy's um <laughs> little treat okay give me a number baby 51 franchise number 51 is oh very fun richard <laughs> okay give me clues okay um it is starring the main character is played by a the the an actor who stars in the franchise that you have wanted to cover the most on the series. Is it Rambo? It is not Rambo. It's the other one. Is it Rocky? No, it's not. It's not Rocky. <laughs> Wait, so Star Sylvester Stallone? Yep. There's three of them. The Expendables. Stars. It's the Expendables oh, trilogy. Very exciting. <laughs> That is exciting. I've got them on Blu-ray. I bought the box set so that we could do it one day. And I've been looking forward um, to it. It's James Bond for people who like Fast and Furious. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, that's a, that's a good, that's a comfortable, that's like, it's not too jarring to go from James Bond to to Expendables. It's like, it's like, um, it's like we're, we're in a really hot, we're in a really cold no, we're in a really hot pool and we want to be in the cold pool. And now it's just slowly getting colder so we can get acclimatized to it. Yeah. The next one after Expendables will be like fucking um, The Little Mermaid. <laughs> well, don't say so- that because it'll be Patreon suggested. <laughs> <laughs> Patreon? Um, yeah, man. Expendables trilogy. Only three movies <sighs> for two weeks. <sighs> I might start them tonight. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, let's. Uh, so, if you want to uh, decide what we watch after mm. the Expendables, you can head along to our Patreon for for one dollar. You can you can yeah. suggest and vote on the next franchise you want us to cover. Maybe uh, you want us to have a good time, and you want us to cover 
you know, one of the ones we've been looking forward to. Um, or maybe you want to do some other dumb one. <laughs> it's. I feel like it's not fun when you don't list examples of these things. Like, that's where the comedy is, right? Like, <laughs> you say, like, you want us to do a fun one like Rocky, or you want us to do a dumb one like... Um, um, I don't want to say because people are suggested. <laughs> but that's where the comedy is. Yeah. What a dilemma. The comedy would be in saying the dumb one, but I don't want to give anyone ideas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, right? Um, uh, and then also, so, uh, just looking ahead at our... Um, at what we've got planned over the coming months. We will... Um, we've got another um, Patreon-suggested week, but then uh, the next Patreon suggestion after that will fall... Um, on the four-year anniversary of this podcast. Um, we're that close to it. Yeah, Holy man. shit. Um, so, and that'll be, um, we're looking at maybe doing, and probably doing another Redux again, um, of a franchise we've covered um, in our first two years of the podcast, no, I guess. No, 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 we're not giving them the second year. <laughs> no fucking way. I am not doing all the Godzilla movies again. <laughs> you get the first year, because that was our dud year. Right, okay. Our second year was fine. Yeah, okay, okay. (laughs) So, yeah, the chance to redo a franchise from our first year um, that we didn't do justice. And maybe, you know what, when we covered Spider-Man the first time, you guys thought we didn't do it justice, so we did it again. And maybe you think we still didn't do it justice and we need to do it again. You really want to just do a second redux of Spider-Man? I just think, I think it would be so funny... It's the funnier joke. We're forced to do Spider Man because there's always new films. (laughs) Right, there is. There is one now (laughs) from when we last covered it. Yeah. Um, Well, do you want to also talk about next week's podcast, don't you? um, Do you know what, Richard? They'll have already heard it because we put it at the top of the episode. Okay. No one will have listened this far. Um, So that's the the Cole Popsha film franchise Fortnite's quiz, which we are maybe doing. (laughs) depending on if people want us to do it maybe it'll be a good christmas time thing yeah it's like a yeah 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 it would be we save all that esoteric self-congratulatory stuff for christmas time (laughs) um so yeah other than that uh if you like cult pop show then please subscribe to us on all the different channels you can find that's on youtube on um uh apple podcast that's on uh acast we're also on facebook we are on uh where else are we richard we're on instagram and twitter at cult pop show yeah you can email us at cult media at gmail.com tell us your favorite james bond movie tell us um tell us it's not casino royale and then know we're laughing at you (laughs) yeah richard we fucking did it bro like there is there is james bond in our future but it's palatable manageable james bond in our future you know it's it's a single movie which i'll probably enjoy somewhat the first time i watch yeah exactly like yeah yeah (laughs) even if i hate it i'll enjoy it being the first time Mm. richard we're a podcast about film franchises and we just finished James Bond and now we're doing The Expendables the, the natural follow up 
Oh, I'm, so, exci- I'm so I'm excited. I'm so excited about the Expendables. <laughs> it's dumb. It's fucking dumb. It's a dumb franchise, <laughs> but it knows it's dumb, which James Bond didn't. So I'm very excited. I hope you guys are all excited too. And thank you so much for joining us. We've been getting such wonderful um, comments and support during this this hard time that we've had to <laughs> subject ourselves to these from people who mostly like the films, but. Hey, look, it's been a good time. Um, I hope you guys have enjoyed it uh, more than we have enjoyed watching them. Um, And we'll see you next week. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Welcome, everybody, to our post-credits scene. Thank you for listening to that episode. Sorry, Richard. What did you think of that episode? Oh, my God, AJ. Like, Have you not been fucking listening to the last um, however many of these we've done? Mm. I'm supposed to do a silly joke about how what we thought of the episode. Um, which we haven't done yet and don't know what it'll be at the time of recording. Yeah, which is the <laughs> joke. And uh, now that we've explained it, uh, let's just move on. Well, we explained it, what, 14 weeks in or something like that? <laughs> I think that's forgivable. Um, so this is our post-credit sequence where if you donate more than $5 at www.patreon.com slash uh you can give us something to talk about in, in this little post-credit scene. And this comes from patron, patron Vincent Lara, and he asks, Hey guys, that's not a question. Uh, hey guys, I've spent a lot of time thinking about what I wanted to ask and finally came up with was is a what if in the entertainment industry that you would like to glance. Oh, sorry, I've read this wrong. What is a what if in the entertainment industry that you would like to glance in at in an alternate universe? Something like Tom Selleck being Indiana Jones or my personal choice being David Fincher doing World War Z 2. Do you think your choice would be a bomb or success? Thank you for your time, guys. Keep up the amazing content and keeping me sane at my soul crushing job as i work to try finish college happy oh, to help you. vincent so yeah. we, we have i wasn't on it but you've done a podcast about this very subject so um not that we're not going to answer it but for for a more in-depth answer there is a um was it was movies that changed directors I yeah think but it also went into other things about um yeah like things that changed and productions mm. uh the main uh yeah so the main ones i think that are like the obvious answers would be del toro's give me guillermo del toro's the hobbit um duology mm-hmm. um which would have been uh, you know amazing to see a completely different take on that um and uh sasha baron cohen's bohemian rhapsody mm. because i i famously do not like bohemian rhapsody very much uh but i would love to see the film that we could have gotten had it been sasha baron cohen um, mm. And I, I think you probably still would have won an Oscar for it. That like it's still yeah, an yeah. Oscar-winning role. Even more if like he would have done the singing himself because he's actually a really good singer. He looks like Freddie Mercury, um, and he hasn't had many opportunities to uh, dive deep into a character in the same way that he does with Borat or Bruno, and not be like silly about it. You know. Mm. Yeah, I think my what if the more the ones. So yeah, Del Toro's Hobbit is a big one. Uh, I am also. Um, I would be very curious to see, had Heath Ledger not died, what The Dark Knight Rises would look like. Mm. The Dark Knight Rises is somewhat of the black sheep of the Dark Knight trilogy, and I'm not saying it would necessarily be better if Heath Ledger was still alive or if the Joker would even be in it, uh, but he his presence, his absence is felt 
in that movie. Mm. I um, do. Um, particularly because they don't even mention him or maybe say this, what happened to yeah, him. Maybe this is the right time to bring this up because it's a little post credit scene just for the, the, the not fake fans that um, have, have mm-hmm. stuck around. But I, I would like to do a podcast at some point in the future, which is like pitching alternate realities where actors didn't die. So something like Heath Ledger in... Um, mm in Dark Knight Rises um, or it, it just even things like say if Philip Seymour Hoffman uh, hadn't died in what was it 2013 um, what what roles that what, what films that have happened since then could he have played do you know what's funny is this could be the episode that <laughs> like this post credit scene could be the post credit scene to the episode you're saying you want to do right that would now. be very funny and they would make up funny. for not doing that joke at the start <laughs> let's make sure that happens <laughs> mm. uh i also um i think now as well um uh colin trevorrow's star wars 9 duel of the fates mm. um i haven't read the script but Rise of Skywalker can't be worse. One of the worst blockbusters in in film history, and whether whether you and you know I've said this at one million times, but whether you the the Last Jedi was for you or not for you, we should all be able to agree that um, good storytelling means building upon and not backtracking, and all of the Rise of Skywalker was just course correction. And from what I've heard of Trevorrow's Duel of the Fates, it does sound like a building upon the story elements set up in the last mm. jedi instead of backtracking tracking on them which is all i ask you know that yeah. does, i didn't anticipate i don't need it to be better than the last jedi i don't need you know it's you know what i mean it's like i just want to see the story reach its conclusions um yeah. and i, I, I feel like we're never going to get um, that now, a star wars related what ifs one what if they um they never made <laughs> disney never bought star wars um and we just didn't <laughs> have to sit through those movies um the other one would be what if star wars wasn't a success and they made um splinter of the mind's eye as the sequel um which is the yeah, yeah. um the book that was released which could be a sequel uh made for a lower budget um and presuming mm. harrison ford wouldn't return um and then just how yeah, yeah. in 2020 star wars would be looked back on hi this is craig robinson from ways to win And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., 